Let me open this beer first. Boom. Yeah, I didn't buy whiskey because I didn't get too drunk. Yeah. Okay. Welcome back to the Jolly Jelly Media Ragdoll Games Cast. This is it, episode two, and we did it in a week. Can you believe it? I don't believe it. I can't believe we're on time, kind of. I know. Within between one and two weeks, like we promised? No way. Mm-hmm. I am, of course, Jesse Van Ragnar. Joining me, that lovely, deep, luscious voice, is Josh, a.k.a. Umni. So, Hello. welcome back to the show. We're doing it in one week. I gave us two weeks just in case we needed it, and uh, here we are. So let's keep it going. Um, yeah, it's been a what? A week and a half? Uh, well, by the time you upload the next one, maybe it'll only be a week. Yeah, so it'll be, it's a week and a couple days since we recorded. Um, but if I get this up on Saturday, it'll be exactly one week. So I don't see why I shouldn't be able wow. to get that to happen. So yeah. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I am going kayaking on Friday with Seth and, and, and company because he's back. So. With who? Uh, Seth's back from Texas, so me and oh, and him and you know the so the, you the usual the usual suspects. Beth. <laughs> this is everyone, my foreign exchange friend. Knows. Beth. <laughs> <laughs> everyone listening knows who our family is, so we all all yeah. one listener. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, <laughs> exactly, so this is very exciting for everybody. This part. So anyway, point being, uh, I'm probably gonna have to pull an all day edit again on Saturday, but uh, hey. You got to bleed for this business, blood, sweat, and tears. So we'll do it. Um, yeah. Well, maybe we can keep it shorter this week instead of two hours or something. But, well, I don't know. We'll I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Um, <laughs> so uh, today we'll be talking about um, new uh, Kotaku editor in chief Patricia Hernandez uploaded an article, um, kind of just talking about her mission for the site moving forward, and uh, uh, we're going to discuss that a little bit. That's our big topic this week. And then we're going to break down a couple more newsy things. We'll, we'll talk about, we'll run through the state of play, talk about those games, and, and if anything interests us. And um, and that's really going to be the, the heart of the episode. I think we'll get to, we'll probably get to what we're playing maybe at the end unless we decide to cut it. But we're, we also don't have as much to talk about uh, this week. We kind of uh, exhausted a lot of that last week, though. I did roll credits on Doki Doki Literature Club, just mere hour or hours i guess two two hours one or two hours before we uh got online here so i can't talk about really? that a little it. a little bit yeah i guess i mean there's more wow. i can go back through and, and do more and like unlock more sexy picks and stuff but uh i'm, I'm probably not gonna do that yeah we'll see how long we go here uh, we have a few things to talk about a couple of them might take a while yeah i also started playing returnal which i can talk about but uh i'm almost at the end i just started it on friday like four days ago five days ago and uh, I'm only like two biomes from finishing it, so we, maybe we'll just wait till next podcast to talk about both of these games and kind of review it in a way and discuss how we feel about it. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Uh, right up top, uh, I'm going to start with some listener comments and uh, I have a couple small corrections or, well, pretty much just one correction, I guess, and then uh, a couple things that I forgot to mention in my near Automata review. So uh, if you didn't hear that, go check that out. Listener Thano Mac, uh, <laughs> quote unquote listener, he says, uh, quote, all of the music with vocals, and, and again, this is in reference to Nier Automata, 
All of the music with vocals is sung in a made-up language formed from multiple languages because that's what the director imagined our distant future's language sounds like. Uh, and of course, that game director being one Yoko Taro. So I, we were talking a little bit about the soundtrack and uh, how cool the, uh, you know, nonsense gibberish vocals were. And um, so here's a little bit of more information on that. Um, Nier Automata's music was composed by Keiichi Okabe and members of his studio Manaka, with singer and lyricist Emmy Evans on vocals, along with Janique Nicole and Nami Nakagawa and others. On the PlayStation blog, uh, Clara Herzog's December 18th, 2020 interview titled Near Replicants, Emmy Evans Talks Music, Chaos Language, and More, Clara writes, uh, Perhaps one of its most unique details was the made-up lyrics Emmy created, suitably named Chaos Language, invented to sound as if our modern languages had drifted away for thousands of years to finally become indistinguishable to us. The reason we went for this mysterious made-up language is because we felt that as game music, having lyrics which you can recognize and understand might distract you from the gameplay, explained Yoko Taro, the game's director. We wanted something that could truly serve as background music. If you don't know what these mysterious words mean, then you can't get sidetracked, Taro said. While these next quotes from Emmy Evans concern composing the original Nier, Uh, we can still glean some insight into the thought process behind the writing, which would eventually continue with Automata. Quote, As it was my first time to create a made-up language, I had no set system in place, so for my first attempt, I just mashed together sounds from all the languages I ever experienced. The result was the lyrics for Song of the Ancients. I was shown a short clip of Devila and Papala, and those are characters from the original Nier, and was told that this was to be their theme. This was the very first piece I recorded from Nier and my first attempt at creating a made-up language. There's German, Hungarian, Welsh, Japanese, French, and Latin, as well as some extra sounds I thought up myself. So I thought that was cool because I mentioned hearing like some germany sounding things and then some Jap- uh, Japanese-y sounding kind of words. Um, right, good to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just a couple more here, a couple little more little quotes. Uh, I was pleased with what I had written, but quickly realized that simply mashing up random sounds would give similar sounding results every time. In order to produce different sounding lyrics and characters for each song, I would need to come up with a new method. I shared my concerns, and I believe that it was Okabe-san who came up with the wonderful idea to base each song on a real existing language, imagining what it might sound like thousands of years into the future. So that's pretty cool. So then a small correction. I I described the music in-game as dynamic, but... A more appropriate description would be adaptable, uh, and with that I pulled this from Wikipedia. Quote, another factor was the open world environment. Rather than a single looping track, Okabe created multiple hard and soft tracks that transitioned into each other depending on situation and environment. So um, that's what I was mentioning with uh, going into the menu and how it will strip a song back to kind of just, you know, the, the basic sort of like just the acoustic melody and it will take the vocals away and stuff. So, right. So that's pretty so cool. So what, what's... What's wrong with dynamic? Is I don't that not like what dynamic means for the music transitioning on the fly. I suppose I suppose it could mean that. I was looking at the definition; it was like continuously changing, and and I don't know. So it's maybe it's not continuously changing. So yeah, that's that's a little that's a little picky thing. I mean, it works. I'm sure everyone no, understood what I meant. There might, no, there might be a little bit of uh, nuance between adaptable and dynamic. I, I'm generally interested in like what the small difference might be, but. Mm-hmm. So I, well, my thinking anyway. with with adaptable was that it, uh, you know, that the that the track adapts to the situation rather than rather than that it's constantly changing. Because if you're just standing still, it won't it won't change. It'll just play the track it's playing or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, 
I think I hear a lot of people use the word dynamic for that type of mechanic, but... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm uh, sure it's appropriate, but uh, I was a little nitpick at myself, maybe. Um, right. Th- Thano also m- uh, mentioned that I neglected to state that hard difficulty does take away your ability to lock onto enemies, and so I, I figured that's worth noting, but uh, I never locked on anyway, so that didn't affect me personally, so I, so I forgot to mention that. Um, he mentions, lastly, that the game is also on Game Pass, so if that... Uh, if you haven't played it yet, you got Game Pass, why not check out Nier Automata? Um, and then also I realized I never mentioned how cool some of the bo- some of the bosses are, uh, especially the Amusement Park one is very dark and twisted and amazing. So uh, there you go, and thanks, Thane, for your input. And lastly, before we jump Thane into... Mac. Thane O'Mac! And lastly, before we jump into the topic of the show, um, during our Chivalry 2 discussion, I described the Agatha team's vocalizations as hackneyed, when what I meant to say was cockneyed, though that may not be technically accurate either, because I guess cockney is from a specific dialect from like a part of London, so that might also not be totally appropriate. But, but that's what I meant to say. All right, so yeah, with that, we're going to move on to the topic of the show. Um, as I mentioned up top, we're going to be talking about uh, Patricia Hernandez's article on uh, Kotaku titled, uh, Hello Kotaku, it's me, your new EIC, that is, of course, editor in chief. So, Josh, I, uh, this was a. Uh, something that you wanted to talk about do you you want to you want to kick it off yeah i mean this is, these are things i want to talk about maybe fairly often every time kotaku or polygon writes a slightly shit article i would like to bring it up and uh dissect it a little bit uh, should we like break it down bit by bit or, or do you have any bits that uh, specifically that you want to you know pick apart do you think we should read any of it yeah there's a few paragraphs here i want to read so most of this article is about how hard it is to be a video game uh, website, magazine, whatever you want to call it, online magazine. Mm-hmm. And the difficulties that come with it and stuff like that. And a lot of the article I agree with. A lot of the article I agree with, but then there's like this uh, spattering of wokeness in here that I would like to discuss and and see if it, uh, see if it means anything or see uh, what you think about it. And if there's a, it's kind of a, if there's a point to it, because I, whenever I see wokeness in almost anything, I kind of don't get it. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get what they're doing. I get what they're trying to do. I get that they're, uh, you know, unfortunately they're they're more activists than maybe journalists sometimes. Yeah. And they're trying to spread what they think is progressivism, or kind of tell people what they think they should think in order to spread some type of morality that they think that they hold that people are missing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they're, they're just incorrect quite often so every now and then when i see these articles i like to bring them up and uh go through them a little bit and see uh what we can get out of it sure you know i understand you know that uh you know politics are a part of life and and uh being a part of life it you know it co- it's going to come up in games journalism and i mean it's going to come up in the games sphere of course it, is games journalism the place that we need to be trying to change the world and stuff i mean i don't know uh, yeah, I think like, I mean, if we want to talk about real activism or messaging, yeah, I, I would say you could fit that stuff in anywhere. Like, I, I would say it's a place, video games, movies, anything's a place to, to change the world for the better. The question is, is this for the better? Because I really don't think it is. And that's one of the questions I would pose to any listener who doesn't agree with me is over the past, let's say, five to seven years over the past five to seven years, the uh, left's 
and, I, and I'm registered Democrat. I would consider myself center left. But I would say, I would ask the question, the uh, left's obsession over sex and race over the past five to seven years, can anyone name one way in which it's improved any aspect of life? Because I feel like I can name a ton of ways that things are worse because of it. So when I see this stuff, it, it annoys me because I think it's incorrect. I think it's divisive. I think it's at least partially narcissistic. Mm -hmm. So it just bothers me. And it bothers me that they think that they're somehow morally superior and that this needs to be here. And if you don't agree with us, you're a troll or you're alt-right or you're, you know, whatever they want to label you as a racist, uh, some kind of transphobe, whatever the buzz phrase of the day is to sure. slander their political, not well, kind of political opponents, but just maybe even philosophical opponents. Yeah. Uh, it's like you can't, you can't have a conversation with a lot of these people. They would rather just use some kind of label to get rid of you. And uh, it just bothers me. I think the idea is that it's coming from a place of positivity and, you know, everyone should be represented and the, everyone should have, should have equal opportunities and representation and, and all these things. But it gets to a point where it's not, where they kind of, where the logic of it begins to, to break down the more, the more you start to look into it and the more we start to, and as we you know break this article down, like, it starts. It start. It starts to stop making sense, and it becomes regressive. Yes. Where they think it's progressive, and it's less productive than they think. I think. Yes, that's a, that's a much better way of putting it than what I'm trying to shit out my mouth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think kind of what what we're getting at. You know, one of the thoughts I had parsing through this thing earlier was, you know, that there is a difference between acknowledging something political and then just you know needlessly injecting something you know maybe like identity politics where it might not need to be but you right. know you know it, it does almost become like it like an like an agenda or it, it comes like off as aggressive at a point oh yeah and the conversation i think kind of breaks down you know i i think part of you know the goal of these people is you know I, again to give voice to like marginalized communities or whatever but but at some point they themselves contribute to that conversation breaking down and, and really like you said regressing Right. And even if you, I mean, a lot of people I see um, complaining about this stuff are, I don't, I don't, I hate it when people say, well, it's mostly white people. Because uh, I've seen a lot of people who aren't white um, be very volatile and say fucked up things sure, uh, with regard to their ideals. But yeah, but a lot of these journalists, uh, they are white and they're crying about it. And here's the thing. I read an article about um, Returnal a little bit ago. A black woman wrote about how the main character of Eternal isn't progressive enough. And the thing is, I enjoyed most of that article. Like, I understood what she was saying. And and I think if you are more of a marginalized person and you play games where it's a ton of white people, I can understand why you might be like, I wish some of these people were black. Mm -hmm. I can understand that. But at the same time, it's like, even when they're white, I don't relate to them. It's like when I play these video games... It's like, I'm not a retired army vet killing aliens. <laughs> Why does the skin color matter? Like, I really, I, a part, so a part of me gets it, a part of me doesn't. Because I, I played a ton of video games where I play as some kind of animal or ethnic person or whatever. I've played as all kinds of things, like a monkey in a fucking bubble, you know. <laughs> uh, I never, I, I it just, it, I'm not playing it to play as me. Right. Because it's not my world, and the character is usually not me. And then if you're playing in an RPG where the character is you, you can usually create whatever you want. So 
in a way I get it in a way I think it's exaggerated um, um, yeah on the returnal thing I mean I understand having conversations about these things but why do we why not stick to and focus more on celebrating uh, diversity of representation in you know video game characters or whatever as opposed to tearing down something that doesn't do that I mean we can talk about it but right but why why not just celebrate whenever you know we see something good instead of going after returnal for you know for what because because then it's almost backwards at a point where it's like oh well this is wrong because this character is white i guess right <laughs> and isn't that kind of hypocritical yeah, in a way right in a way that's what it's saying like oh look at all these white people i'm sick of the white people it's like well <laughs> that's kind of weird when you think about it it's a little uh in a way i get it in a way it's it's I think, well, look, I'm just going to say it. I think it's a bit racist. Because here's the thing. Most people in these cultures, maybe they happen to be white if most video game developers are from Europe or America. So these artists who made it to where they made it by being good at what they do, whether it's storytelling or coding or whatever, if, if, the, if the writer happens to be white, I don't think you really have the authority to tell an artist that you need to be represented. I think if you want to be represented, uh, this is offensive, but hashtag learn the code. <laughs> be yeah. a good writer and, and get up there and do it yourself. So the reason I became a writer is because I was sick of reboots. And this was like 15, 20 years ago when I started taking writing more seriously. I was sick of seeing other people create shit that I didn't want to watch or read. So I started doing it myself. And if you are in a community where you want to see more of you represented do it yourself don't ask an artist of another ethnicity to do it for you because they probably can't even do it for you correctly you have to do it sure you have to get in the industry and do it yourself and i don't Mm -hmm. really agree with like getting on being a a, uh, you know quote journalist unquote and then just complaining about it to get your way i think you have to do it yourself and encourage your community to do it themselves Mm-hmm. Or, or like I said, just continue to support and and champion, and be vocal about the things that that do occur that you that you do think are doing it right, and and push, keep, continue to push those things. You know, tweet about them or whatever. For example, maybe you know the death loop death loop protagonists. I think are, you know are both people of color. So instead of going after Returnal for having a white protag- pro, you know protagonist, use that energy to promote something like Deathloop and say, hey, this, this is what I think, this is what I like to see, this is great, you know, keep it up. I hope to see more stuff like this. Just right. for, for, the, for an example. Right, and she does do that in that article, the Return of the article. She does name some things that she likes seeing. So okay. she does both. Good. But uh, and at the same time, it's like it's an FPS. You, you don't even see yourself most of the time. And I don't know, I just, what does the skin color change? What does the, it's not about, because most video, most video games aren't about race, you know, unless it's like Bioshock Infinite. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I feel like what's it matter? But at the same time, I, if it's a game like Deathloop, where I don't know how much story is in that game, there's probably some story, but it seems mostly just like a, a roguelike that, no, there's, there's probably a story in there, but maybe they could do like Assassin's Creed where they can throw a couple different char- main characters in and you can pick and you get a slightly different story. Mm-hmm. But um, you, know, what, you know what else bothers me is, I think you, maybe you kind of referenced this earlier. You said, well, these people, these people want things to be better. People will say things like, well, a lot of these far left people who are, they don't just, they're not just having a discussion. They're, a lot of times they're volatile and they're attacking conservatives or attacking people who don't agree with them. 
and people will say well their heart's in the right place and it's like it's not it's not in the right place <laughs> if your heart was in the right place you wouldn't be so angry and volatile and attacking people who don't agree with you mm -hmm. it reminds me of I, that. Mean, I, I i see a lot of a lot of uh kind of hostile talk on on twitter and a lot of it's very sexist and racist shit coming from the left but they don't get called out on it and it's i think it's weird I, I think that sexism is sexism and racism is racism whether you're talking about white people or straight men yeah uh it's not right no matter who's doing it and the fact that people think they're allowed to do it because not the white men are the majority there's a 50 50 men and women but maybe because they think white men can take it more and that's probably true they probably can handle it more and that's probably why you don't hear as many complaints because men will just kind of deal with things better than women. This might sound sexist, but <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's a big reason we're all why exactly the same. You can't say that. No, yeah, we're not. <laughs> I think men will hear things and be like, okay, whatever. <laughs> but women will they want to talk about it more, they want to get it out there more, so you hear more about it. Doesn't necessarily doesn't doesn't necessarily mean things are more unbalanced just because some people complain more than other people. And it bothers me, you know, I'm going on kind of a rant right now about the left, but it bothers me that we give all of all of this attention and power to who I would describe who are the most, uh, look, I don't really want to filter myself too much. I'm trying to talk nicely, but <laughs> I think we give too much power to the most weak-willed people in some way, the people who are most victims, the people who victimize themselves most. Sure. We listen to them a little too much. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't argue with that. Do you want to maybe take a look at some of the, some of the specific pieces of this and start to break it down? This is I'm going to start a couple paragraphs in. So, here we go. She says, "I want to dismantle and redefine what a video game website can be. I do not like what I see. Where do we even begin? I hate that nearly every website's day to day is pred is predicated on the release schedule and news cycles set by publishers." I hate the coverage cycle of big-budget video games and how a game is never more important than when it doesn't exist yet or when it just launched. I hate so much of what video game websites consider worthy of coverage is often written for a specific type of presumed reader. It does not matter if a website is considered progressive. It says everything when writing about certain issues. Video game websites often have to take care in explaining basic-ass concepts like racism is real. So I'm going to stop at that paragraph because I think it's a jumbled mess of nonsense. Yeah, I agree. And a lot of the article does. She goes off on a couple weird tangents before eventually bringing it back kind of to, you know, marginalized communities or whatever. But yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> what do you think so, that even means? Because I had... I. I made a note on, yeah. on part of that and my, I just put, what? <laughs> was my only note. <laughs> Cat? Well, little cat's on my lap. Little, Cat. little Hanzo. Little Hanzo named after the best Overwatch, over, Overwatch, Overwatch character. So we can start off with the first couple of sentences, which is coherent. I hate that nearly every, every website's day-to-day -day is predicated on release schedule and news cycle. Well, that's a big part of video games. What else? I would ask, what else do you want? Because that's, that's an important part of video games is what's coming out and what's new. Yeah. And I, 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 Why would she even say that? that? I mean, that, that's strange to me. It's a little weird. I mean, I understand she's saying it's, we can do more than that. And sure, we can. And I think it is good to bring up do. old video games. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> a lot of people do. There's all kinds of influencers of or, or YouTube video makers that, that you know, uh, right. I mean, celebrates very specific games. And in some cases, they're very, very old. 
Right. I mean, the, the influencers are the ones who saved. Uh, fuck's that game called where you're little guys on the spaceship i think she mentions it in this article maybe oh among us um yeah like they're the ones who brought that back and, and made it a bunch of money and right now it's popular right mm-hmm. but i agree because i would when we had our own website and we were reviewing some older stuff we thought it was important to review old stuff too but i think it should be really old stuff like i think we could go back into 8-bit and 16-bit and arcade days and re-review that stuff for a younger audience who doesn't even know what the fucking arcade is anymore. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, they, probably, they probably know what an arcade is nowadays, but but they're, they're just not around anymore. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I see what she's saying. Uh, but at the same time, it's still very important to cover new stuff. I mean, that's probably still the most important stuff. I mean, new stuff is intriguing and it will always be intriguing and there's no way around that. Yeah. I just, um, yeah, I don't know why she would even mention that, uh, that she has some kind of issue with how so much of it is just looking ahead. I, I guess maybe is maybe her point that she would, you know, take it a little, slow it down and focus a little more maybe on the present or recent past or something or, or whatever. But that's, I mean, I it mean, does but, seem like, I mean, what else is it? Go ahead. What else is it besides, you know, video game reviews or, or guides? I mean, it is, there is like a, most video game websites are like for a year or longer, they'll cover a video game coming up. Like here it is. Here's what we learned. Here's some. Here's a little bit of new stuff. And then, two months before it comes out, here's a preview. And then here's the review. And then it stays within the news cycle for uh, maybe a week or two if you're lucky. If it's a live surface game like Destiny, they still throw it up there. Like here's where, whatever that dude is who sells rare shit. Here's where he is every week. Like that still comes up. But um, it's hard to get outside of that because there's always new stuff. The video game industry is like every industry is flooded with shit. So you have to cover all, you want to cover as much new stuff as you can. You want to cover it while it's new and interesting. And then a week or two later, there's a whole swath of new stuff that just pushes all the other shit down. And there's really, there's really no way around it. I, 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 I don't really see a way around that news cycle. Yeah. As far as the journalism arm of it, I mean, I, again, I, th- I think it's pretty much what it is. What's, what's coming up? what's going on behind the scenes with some developers or whatever and, and some reviews. And I think it, and I, I do think it is more the, maybe the, the podcaster, the influencer who, who is kind of taking the role of letting things live longer or celebrating things that might not be particularly very new and exciting. But, but this is the part that I was going to mention. I found it here. Um, so like after she goes on some tangent about why people like uh, seek out video game websites and she says, uh, they mostly do it, you know, quote, uh, when they need to know how to do something. So whenever you're, I guess she means like if you're looking up a game guide and, you, and you're stuck or whatever. Right. But it's like, again, but isn't that what it is? Like, isn't that yeah, that's part of what just what, games journalism that, is? Like, I don't, like, does she not? That's part, of what, that's part of what video games are. Right. I was just doing that during, I was doing that Friday when I started playing Returnal. So, okay. I would just Google search something. How, what is this? I would go to whatever whatever first random website came up. I would read about it. And I'm like, okay, that's what it is. I get it. If that's mm. a very important part as well. Yeah. So yeah. So then is she upset that like journalism, video games, journalism isn't more you know quote unquote important? You know that that, yeah, I think pe- that people are going to game site or people are going to game sites for help in games rather than to learn about social issues. Yes, I think she's upset that video game websites are about video games. And not about racism, uh-huh. not about sexism. Okay, that's kind of what it seems like, yeah. 
she wants the video game landscape to be a political landscape. She wants to she wants it to be an activistic landscape and less about video games, which means inherently she wants it to be more divisive, because that's what this shit is. Uh huh. So, if these are things that weigh on her so heavily, why is she a video games journalist then? Why doesn't she go? I mean, uh, well, because I think. Kind of I mean, like, a lot of these people are just like, hey, I'm, I love video games and I'm also an activist. What if I just mix them <laughs> together? <laughs> that's what everyone does now. That's what ESPN does. That's what right. all mainstream media is. Yeah, because it's all bullshit. But why can't she just have her own personal Twitter where she, you know, or I mean, not just her specifically, but anybody where your job is your job. And, you, and, you know, and, and again, I don't want to sound like I'm saying that, you know, keep politics out of games. I'm not saying that, but it's like, you know, keep keep your video game site about video games, and then you have your own personal social medias to, you know, get your opinions out there and to have the discussions that you want to have. I don't understand necessarily why that has to always be shoved into, you know, right a preview and for I, a game or something. Right, and and maybe it's fine to have this a, a website like Kotaku and Polygon where they in, interject a lot of uh, activist. And social issue stuff, and it's just like, mm-hmm. why well, you don't have to read stuff. it? The problem is, I think that these far-left social opinions, the problem is they affect a lot of culture, and it bleeds into movies, and it bleeds into video games and music, and then it, and then it bleeds into government, and then it affects our laws, and then it affects everything, mm-hmm. and it doesn't affect it in a good way. So that's yeah. why I want to talk about this stuff, because I, I want to push back on this stuff, because I don't think it's positive right i think it's divisive and i think it leads to bad things because it, it just seems like i'm sure a lot of people listening would be like it's just a, a little video game you know social issues and video games big deal it's just a little thing it's not a little thing and this is what really bothers me about the left a lot is they don't really look into long-term outcomes of what they're doing they just say it's little it's not a big deal and then five years goes by and then it's affecting everyone's life Sure. Or, Ber- or you know, Ber- Berkeley is changing manhole cover to uh, whatever, sewer or hole cover or whatever. Person they got hole cover. Of, yeah, person <laughs> hole cover because they get rid of man and everything even where it doesn't make sense. Jesus Christ. And it's like... That's weird. This stuff... Is that scary to people? Everything. I think it's terrifying. Yeah. Uh, and it's not that I'm afraid of being erased as a man. It's not that. It's It's that it's divisive and it's... It causes problems between different races and between different sexes. It's not helping anyone. It's making everyone's relationship worse. And so I just think we, whenever this shit comes up, we need to talk about it. Sure. And break it down. Uh, a little small tangent, but I, I know personally I'm, I'm registered independent. Not that it hardly matters, I guess, for, for this maybe. But, but I, I've for a long time hated uh, you know, how sort of the binary culture that, we, that we've kind of been consumed by in the last several years that everything i mean not just politics but everything has to be one way or the other and and people right. and people seem generally generally incapable of you know looking at the grays and, and discussing the nuances of things because nothing is simple everything is complicated and there's not very many things that are this or that black or white yep right and it's not that conservatives and, and republicans it's not that it's not that they're super innocent in, in anything right uh nobody is you know I used to be, well, I was registered as an independent as well, but then I wanted to I wanted to vote in the uh, bi-yearly elections, so right. I had to I pick know. one side I hate, or the other. I hate that. I know. I hate that. 
No. So I picked Democrat, and I voted mostly Democrat up until this last election. And uh, it's just because the past, like I said, five to seven years, I, I think the left has gone completely out of control. Hold Were on. you going to say something? No. There's a cat on my desk. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I, I started probably five, well, I keep saying five to seven, but that's what it is. It's probably like six years ago, I found myself defending Fox News and conservatives, whereas before that, I bashed the shit out of it with everyone else. Mm -hmm. But, you know, once people kept shitting on Fox News and making fun of conservatives, I was like, I started asking people, other lefty people, well, you know, where do you want them to go? Because every time I watch a movie, every time I watch a TV show, every time you turn on other mainstream news that's not fox news it's just everyone bashing trump people and conservatives so you make fun of them for watching fox news but you kind of force them there because you shit on them everywhere else so i found myself kind of starting to defend them a little bit because they're they've become the underdog i mean they're losing the culture war god is dying and i see god being replaced on the left by uh, activism and politics. That's where people are finding meaning. And I think it's dangerous. I think it's just as dangerous as religion can be dangerous when it goes too far. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Whenever we, we want to start, you know, and again, it goes both ways, whenever we want to start shutting down people's opinions and, and the right to, to say anything, because, and, you know, maybe we'll get here. I don't want to jump out of order, but she goes on the, you know, the bigotry and the hate speech that people are spewing online and stuff. And, you know, and again, not to sound cliche, but, you know, which is America. And if we want to protect free speech, then we're going to then we have to understand that people are going to use that free speech to say maybe sometimes maybe not even totally awful things, but maybe just things that simply might offend you. And and then she right. then she says something about, you know, she doesn't want to tell her writers that have thick skin, but they're going to have to get it. It's like, well, well, yeah, I mean, we need to all agree that. We all have the right to free thought and free speech and a necessary evil that comes with that is that people are going to use that to be shitty and say shitty things and to be trolls or whatever online. And I don't think that that's something that just has to do with video games journalism or like video games journalists. I think that's just a human thing in general that right. you're going to, that you need um, to deal with people being shitty and you need to know how to, you need to learn how to deal with that in a healthy way, you know, that. That that doesn't involve right. shutting completely shutting down and and uh, whatever the word is I'm looking for you know like silencing them I guess right and then and late and then I think around that same area she says she thinks that probably millions and most of their audiences uh, not like that but you know but then she writes oh, an entire right. article about that what she says is insignificant but she wrote an entire article about it well I was gonna say whenever I see a, a Kotaku article posted on Facebook that's about a social issue. Most of the emoticons that people use are the laughing face, <laughs> which means a large amount of people who follow them hate when they write stuff like that. Sure. And she probably, and she probably thinks that's toxic, but disagreeing and thinking that shit's dumb, it's not toxic. I think there's a big argument of why this stuff is toxic. However, I will say there are a lot of people, trolly people, I mean, I consider myself slightly trolly, uh -huh. But maybe more, maybe more truly in the vein of Michael Malice, where I try and do it with some thought and not just calling people names. I don't, I don't think calling people names is truly. That's just being an asshole. But there are people who I see comment on some Kotaku articles, and they are ignorant. 
they are offensive. Uh, so it's not that she's completely wrong. There are people who of course say really dumb, dumb shit. But I think a lot of these people lump people like us in who just disagree with the people who say rude, dumb, occasionally racist and sexist shit. Uh-huh. But there's a difference. I mean, there's a difference between wanting to debate something and talk about it and then just calling people whatever name they want they want to use whatever uh, slur or whatever yeah the next sentence she says here is i hate i hate that so much of what video game websites consider worthy of coverage is often written for a specific type of presumed reader what does that mean well, I, is a person who likes video games men? that's what I, that's exactly what i thought i mean i don't want to again i don't want to like read you know read oh man is she against cis white guys like us you know but it well, kind I, of I it kind of does read like that. Been. It kind of does read like that. At least it does read like that. I I made that what, exact what note myself. Mm-hmm. What else could it mean what besides? Else could it mean? Oh, and again, another point that I that I had thought out was okay. Like on this, what unifies all of their readers, regardless of race or creed or gender or whatever, is liking video games, right? Right. So why shouldn't? So why not? Isn't it best serving to represent everybody to just focus to the games then? Because that's why everyone's there. Nobody, nobody's, right. Everyone's coming here because they love video games. Why not celebrate that instead of, again, yeah, injecting this identity politics shit into it just to, like you said, I guess, you know, cause problems and divide people up. Whenever we're, most people, I don't think, are trying to divide ourselves up. We just want to talk about fucking video games. Right. Most people just want to read about video Whenever I go to the more mainstream video game sites, I don't see anything that's just directed at me. I see all kinds of shit that's basically... Most of the stuff I see on IGN and GameSpot are just unbiased articles about video games. So I don't know Mm -hmm. if she's looking for, like, the 4chan video game websites and just making a bigger deal about it than it is or something. Mm -hmm. Because most of the sites I go to, or any site I go to, I've never been there. I've been like, well, this is a really conservative... Uh, trolly racist video game website. I, I've, never, <laughs> I've never seen it. No, me either. So I'm not sure what the presumed reader is. I'm not sure what she means by that. Unless she's me talking either. about straight white men, which straight men is that is the biggest audience for video games. But even that, even even with that, I don't see articles just aimed at straight men. Like I don't know what that means. I, I'm not yeah. sure. I, like I don't get. It. I yeah. Uh, me either. You know, maybe that's easy for us to say. You know. Some listeners might say that that's maybe what privilege is, I guess, that we can't see these things. But, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I consider myself an open-minded person, and I, I've never, ever gleaned that from, from any video game site, like you're saying, that, I, that I've ever read or right. been on, that, that, it, that it's trying to cater to me, you know? I guarantee you, if we ask for proof, give us proof of this stuff written on a major video game website for a presumed reader. Give us the proof. I guarantee you they wouldn't be able to find it. Unless it's I'm just not- like, you see... Uh, a lot of these uh, podcast hosts for these websites, they're white men. Yeah, yeah. I guess they have dicks and they're white. So what? Mm-hmm. Do they do they know what they're talking about? Then what? Uh, you know, are they only using language that white men understand? Are they being offensive? Are they being broy? Like, what is it? Yeah. Why can't we? Why are we not? What's why are issue? we no longer allowed to look at straight white men talk? <laughs> why is that offensive? <laughs> why is that offensive now? I yeah, understand. Listener, like, diversity tell us. is good. Diversity right. is good. Right. But at the same time, this diversity is surface level diversity. 
Like I said, it's, well, do you have a dick or not? And what color is your skin? It's not diversity of thought, which is more important diversity. And who do you like to have so, sex with? Because right. that apparently matters. Well, and again, yeah, I mean... Right. Does this does this podcaster enjoy scissoring? Because if not, <laughs> I'm not into it. Well, who cares? It's about video games. Are these two brothers engaging in coitus with each other? Then I'm not sure that I want to listen to them. Yeah. Maybe we should start fucking so we can create a community <laughs> for the incest community. Because I think the incest community is very underrepresented. Yes, the incest podcaster. Uh, we're it. We're going to be the first uh, outspoken yeah. incest well, podcasters. Right. How about next time, if we ever get to record a podcast and we're on camera together in the same room, I'll finger your mouth really quickly. <laughs> and then we can be the incest brothers. And then we can get, get that, uh, I don't know, West Virginia community. Was that offensive? <laughs> no. Uh, I'm sure. Anyway, I'm sure, any potential West ahead. Virginia listener would uh would laugh no, at I'm that kidding. too. I would hope you would be able to laugh at that. Yes, uh, we joke here. I had to kiss my cat. You understand? I'm I, a cat lover. This is this this is for the cat community. Yes. If only we had video. I know. Uh, just each of us a couple times. I I was laughing to myself a little bit ago that we're both having to move cats off our desks constantly <laughs> without yeah <laughs> without he's interrupting new. the he's show. Young. Uh-huh. He's only a couple months old, so he's adorable. He's very cute. And uh, anyway, to finish off this this paragraph, because we have a lot of paragraphs to go, and we've been talking for a while, but yeah. that's fine. Maybe we'll talk two hours about this. It'll be great. <laughs> anyway, to finish off this paragraph, it says, it says everything that when writing about certain issues, video game websites often have to take care in explaining basic-ass concepts like racism is real. I don't understand what this sentence means at all. Does, Me do you either. get it? No. <laughs> I, I think we've already kind of talked you know maybe around this a little bit but uh no because because again do they is that she can... is that the role of a video games website it's like hey remember just remember so racism well where do they have to where, and why where do people have... who needs well, constantly reminded these Here, she continues these, on this, along the this, same kind of thing this quote insignificant number of yeah troll people bigoted people that she says is that who uh, we need to remind that racism? i i don't know hey, go on i'm not sure but she goes on to say at some point, having to explain power dynamics over and over again is not a question of informing the readership. It is a tacit acknowledgement that our audience likely has a specific background. And consequently, that reality means that even as we cover more mainstream subjects or marginalized or marginalized identities, the writing is not truly for that wider audience. This haunts me. The presumed reader looks or sounds nothing like me, and yet here I am leading a video game site. So I guess she's saying when she writes, because she's not... I'm assuming, again, I'm assuming she's talking about because she's not a straight white man. It haunts her that she has to write for the straight white man. That's what I'm getting out of this. I could be wrong. Um, why it haunts you, I don't know. That seems extreme. Well, what and, this... and again, it's about video games. And here's the thing. If you write, if you want to write a social issue piece, if it's coherent, if it makes sense, there's a plenty of straight white men who can agree with you. If you're, if you're talking about an issue that's relevant or that's... Yeah. Or that's right. Like I said, I, I read the that author's, I, I don't remember her name, but the author's returnal article on why, she, why a white cisgender woman isn't progressive enough. Uh, and I actually enjoyed the article. I thought it was well written and I agreed with a lot of it. And uh, there was nothing to be afraid of writing that article. Although I think the headline, whoever, whatever editor in chief decided to go with that headline made the article sound worse than what it was going to be. Sure. And I think that's an issue is sensational making kind of a, clickbaity article you're right you're making a headline that purposefully divides and is purpose, purposefully slightly offensive and 
prov- provoking. It's going to provoke in order a click. To get those clicks. Yes. And it it makes the writer look, even though I even though um, the writer probably didn't come up with the headline, yeah, it makes the writer not. look worse than they are, or more far left than they are, or more extreme than they are. Um, so that's bad, because when you see that headline, it's like, yeah, it annoys the shit out of me to be honest, because my thought, my immediate thought is, okay, well, what's progressive to you? A straight white woman isn't progressive to you. So at, at what point, what, where does progressive, where does progression stop before you fall off of a cliff? That's what I want to know. Yeah. Where, where do we reach the peak of, of progressivism anywhere? Or let's just talk about in video games. Is it, is it when you're playing an, over, uh, an overweight lesbian or maybe overweight trans woman who's black, who's in a wheelchair and missing a limb and has diabetes like is that the ultimate <laughs> progressive character in a video game like is that where we can go oh we've hit it we've hit the we've we've culminated in progressivism progressivism we can stop we fixed we, it we've done it right again the logic i don't yeah i don't I, get it I, yes again the, a lot the the more you you know start to just dissect these things the logic does fall apart and but so what do you think she even means by like power dynamics and and what because that comes out of nowhere too she just drops the term power dynamics out of nowhere in this article what do you think she means by that do you think she means that the you know but just the the straight white men in power and uh is is that what she's referring to with power dynamics or i know that's the thing is like for an editor-in-chief this thing could have been edited (laughs) it could have been you know more cohesive and extend some of these paragraphs could have been extended so they explained more but this is also and you're going to hear me you're going to hear me use the word term left far left a lot but i find that this is what they do a lot is they just say vague shit and mm. they it's i don't know if they're making confusing Buzzwords, on purpose vague things or yes. not i had to read but it like three times before i started to really understand it you yeah you have to go into detail and like what the fuck are you talking about explain if you want the reader to understand you you have to explain you can't just throw out right like you said buzzwords and expect everyone to know and but if you do just throw all these buzzwords and keep it vague, you know, the, the people on the left will clap. Oh, good job. Yes, mm-hmm. you're, you're strong and you did it. And it's like, you're not doing anything. You're muddling up the conversation. I, I, I keep reading the sentence sitting here with you and I don't know. Having to explain power dynamics over and over again is not a question of informing the readership. Uh, maybe what? I'm an idiot, but I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know what that means. I don't. Like I'm not Who's trying to be mean or power anything. Di- dynamics and what power dynamics? I yeah, I don't what? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, are we, I don't know, but I do I, know that am, are we privileged these to not understand? People, well, I mean, I do that I know I know these these activistic type of people tend to look at everything as oppressive versus oppressor, even when it doesn't fit. I might they look at everything that. as oppressor versus the oppressed. Uh they look at everything as a power grab, which is their biggest flaw because a lot of human nature isn't about power. A lot of it is. A lot of it is. A lot of it isn't. But if you don't explain what you mean in the subject you're talking about, how do you expect anyone to understand? It's just, I don't think it makes sense. And maybe it's not supposed to make sense. With that particular paragraph, I was wondering, like, is she saying that she's bothered that writing about marginalized identities is not something that the site's wider audience cares about? And I think that we, you know, we, we kind of talked about that at one point, but uh yeah, I guess we did kind of say this because it's like, you know, is she lamenting that the majority of games enthusiasts and readers are are like cis white guys again i guess that's where i where i noted that where where i yeah. do agree with you that, that, that seems she, kind of like what she's talking about i guess that is what she's saying because she says the reality means that even as we cover 
more marginalized identities, the writing is not truly for that wider audience. So that's, that is what she's saying. So if we take that logic a step further, then should non-binary people, for example, only write for other non-binary people, gay people only write for a gay audience? Like... A lot of them do believe that. Yeah. But uh, how does that even make sense? And how are you even fitting this into video game news? How are you fitting? Right. Let's say you hire. Let's say you hire a non-binary person to write, and they're writing a review. How the fuck are they fitting anything non-binary into the review of God of War? Mm -hmm. What does that have to do with anything? And why yeah. does it need to be there? I guess what she's saying is she wants to write for an audience who's more of an activistic audience, who's more of a far-left audience, who wants their identities shoved into every article as a reminder of who they are for some reason and that they exist and that. They're allowed to exist, although I don't think anyone's saying they're not. I'm not saying, I can't say there's not a place for that, but damn a cat. <laughs> I can't say there's not a place for that because there, there can be a place for, for, there's a place for everything. It's just, it's also our place to push back on where we think, we think things don't make sense. Sure. So by all means, do what you want. But if you're going to write articles that push a, what I would call a, a false a narrative of pr what progressivism is. Uh, I'm going to talk about it. Sure. So um, it's fine. We, we both have our own spaces, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'll, I will throw in here while we're in the heart of this conversation, uh, jollyjellymedia at gmail.com. Uh, please, if you if you happen to hear this and, and you want to chime in with your thoughts or you, you want to inquire about kind of, you know, the conversation here, I guess, and, and uh, you know, what we're what we're presenting to you, the audience, then uh, by all means, write in. And then, um, and also, if you do, uh, please note whether or not you would mind if it was read or, or if you want your name read or anything like that. But um, yeah, jollyjellymedia at gmail.com. Uh, we would love to love to hear your thoughts. So yeah, reader mail. Who, who wants to be our first reader mail? That's not the fake reader mail from the top of the show, which is really just my friend. <laughs> no, don't. Um, but yeah, so. Yeah. So then let's go on with the last paragraph here before I break off to a separate part. And I'll finish with the last, I'll, I'll finish with the previous paragraph again to lead into the next, because I think it connects. Blah, 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 this haunts me. The presumed reader looks or sounds nothing like me, and yet here I am leading a video game. It's not, about it. it's not a matter of being woke. It's a matter of survival. What? That's so fuck? hyperbolic. That's... Okay, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Actually, you know what? It sounds hyperbolic at first, but I think she's talking about the survival of the website. Okay. She doesn't want to okay. scare away the main audience to keep the website going. Okay, 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 okay. That's fair. So, yeah, I'm, I'm trying my best to steal man whenever I can and not assume the worst. Yeah. I think that's what she means. Yeah, okay. Uh, video game websites as they exist now repeatedly fail to represent the wide swath of people who play games. And every year that passes, this failure becomes more and more evident. Everyone plays games now, yet most of these people hardly frequent video game websites unless they need to know how to do something. Mm-hmm. So I guess she's saying marginalized people don't go to video game websites unless they need to know unless they need to know how to do something. But with the very first sentence, it's not a matter of being woke. It kind of isn't that is. all it is. That's what she wants the whole website to be. It sounds like is very woke because it's not a matter of being woke. It's a matter of survival. I mean, those two sentences together. No, I don't know how those go together. If it's it's not if it's not a matter of being woke, it's a matter of keeping the website alive. I don't understand how those two sentences go together. Any ideas? No. <laughs> no, I, I really don't. I'm, I, maybe there's a way that the site could separate 
and maybe it does. I mean, I don't, I don't know, but you know, have a news tab that is, that is the news things, the upcoming games and this, that, and the other that she seems to be so discontent with. Um, and then have another tab that is, that is the editorials and, you know, maybe get to know the writing staff and that's where they can post, you know, their more political opinions that might not be necessarily anything to do with video games or something like, I feel like there's a way that she can, I don't know, have her cake and eat it too. Would that, would that be the, would that apply here? But like, I feel like if, if, uh, so if the website's main readership is like this just giant group of people that just go to video game sites because they want to digest some video game news or, or, or consult, you know, a problem, a guide for, for an issue that they're having on a video game, then appeal, then you can easily continue to appeal to that audience and your website will be fine, right? And then if she wants to have an arm that does focus more on, you know, whatever this um, agenda is that she's that she's discussing, that can be there too. But maybe just have them be under separate categories on the website or something. I mean, I, I, right. does that make sense? I mean, I think, yeah, I think like Vice does that. Vice is super woke and they also have their own video game channel. I, I don't know if she's saying that she, it's not about being woke. She just wants to be different, to be different, to keep more viewers coming in for their website so they can stay alive. Um, maybe that's what she's saying. So maybe okay. she just thinks being more far left and progressive is being not woke, but different. And that's what helps drive the viewers. Okay. Uh, maybe that's what she's saying, mm -hmm, maybe. but it is about being woke. It is. It, it's, it's using wokeness to generate traffic, generate discussion. It, it's really quite amazing to, to see their Facebook post and to see how many people comment on it. And a lot of the comments are like, why are you writing this shit? I don't know. I mean, I, I follow this stuff that I don't agree with because I want to see what they're saying and see what the mind of a certain political movement is. Sure. Yeah, social movement. Yeah, it's a good thing to do. And, uh, but at the same time, I feel like, well, this is going to sound bad. <laughs> at the same time, it's like, I know what they're saying. I know what their mindset is. I know... <laughs> what how they lean and what they're gonna think and what they're gonna say and at the same time i feel like if i want or if anyone wants these websites to go away because they are being divisive it might be best to just start unfollowing and stop clicking that might be the way to go instead of commenting angrily or putting a laughing emoji it might be time to just go away and let them have their audience and see if they can survive on their own See if it doesn't just kind of fizzle itself out or, right. or or something like that, you know. All right, here we go. Scrolling down, she says, Vying for relevance versus dwindling time is sometimes only the start. Writers, especially those with marginalized identities, often have to grapple with nonstop anger. Anger over suggesting that video games reflect the real world in any way, shape, or form. Anger that we get paid to do something many people would gladly do for free. Anger stoked by influencers who need you to believe game journalists are awful and they alone have your interests at heart. Anger fueled by four years of constant propaganda that mainstream media is fake news and not to be trusted. Uh, that part is true. Mainstream news yes. is fake news. And, and it very should not, not be, be trusted. trusted. Yes, I know. <laughs> That's a good anger. Yeah. That, that is a good anger to have, I agree. Anger that the news we report sometimes doesn't present video games and its communities in a positive light to the wider public. And I think with that last sentence, she's talking about Gamergate that people criticize a lot because it exaggerated the sexism in video games mm -hmm. i remember whenever gamergate started and people were like oh yeah video games are like sexist and i was like <laughs> what 
And then I saw like the, the lady who, I believe it was the lady who started Gamergate. She was on the Cabaret Report a long time ago. And Stephen Cabaret was like, okay, well, do you have any proof uh, that video games are so sexist? And she brought up like a scene from Dragon Age where a woman was threatened to be raped in medieval times. And uh, it's like, that is just historical. That stuff happened. That's uh, not a sexist gaming industry. Happens now. And then, and then she of right, course. and then she brought up a, and then she brought up another clip from Grand Theft, Grand Theft Auto of some douchebag character. You know, you know Grand Theft Auto writing saying sexist stuff. Uh huh. But again, it's just fiction, and he's not a good guy. He's a bad. He's not being not portrayed a, not, as a hero. Right. We're not applauding this guy. It's just a douchebag talking like a douchebag. It's not because those people and exist. Stephen, and you could tell Stephen Colbert was like, I don't agree. Sorry, I don't know what your fuck you're saying. <laughs> and so a lot of the negative light making gamers look like pieces of shit started with Gamergate. And so I think she's kind of referencing that. And and I think people should push back on that. That's not to say whenever you play video games online, there's a lot of assholes. Uh, I tend to mute everyone because I don't want to hear their racist, offensive garbage. So it's true. Right. That people say people say racist, random shit. But I don't think a lot of it's directed at women. I hardly ever hear. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm sure it happens. But normally, when I hear a girl in a multiplayer game in like a lobby, dudes want to talk <laughs> to them. <laughs> they're not insulting them. They're either flirting or they're right. being really nice. Oh, hey. being, being, being really nice is a way of flirting. Sure. All right. But, uh, but yeah. There's no, most gamers, if they see that a girl plays a video game, they like it. They find that attractive. They don't think it's awful and they don't shit on them. So this is one exaggeration I see people make that I just don't agree with. I mean, of course, you know, once upon a time, uh, you know, maybe your your PlayStation era where if you did have a female protagonist like Laura Croft in Tomb Raider, you know, maybe it was about her giant triangle tits or something, but... Her uh, but, square butt and triangle tits. Uh-huh. <laughs> but like, but she was still a very strong, capable character. I mean, yeah, a lot of the marketing, you know, around the game was, you know, you might, you might consider it chauvinistic maybe or or you know like catering to catering to like the horny like white gamer guy you know but 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 the game itself i you know i i laura croft was always portrayed as a very strong capable independent person and just because she had nice big triangle titties doesn't take away from that i don't think (laughs) yeah the very last level of that game i think you were just like you're at your mansion and you could jump in the pool and you had a swimsuit on Uh (laughs) uh-huh i was like holy shit half naked triangle tits this is crazy (laughs) But uh, I, again, and this goes to the, what I said earlier, that I think women just complain more than men because uh, how many video games are there where it's just a bunch of big, strong, buff men, uh, sometimes without shirts on with crazy abs, war- like barbarian warriors and stuff? Yes. So it's just it's just sexy on both ends a lot of the time. And uh, I think that's fine. What's wrong fine. with that? Yeah, I know. We like that as people. People like sexy people. And what's wrong with that? Um, well, now it makes people feel bad. So now it's bad. Because uh, they're not. Because yeah. now... I'm not sexy. Again, like I said earlier, we have to we have to cater to the people who cry the most. <laughs> people who the people who are the biggest victims, we have to walk on eggshells and cater everything to them. It really bothered me when Naughty Dog got rid of Fat Nathan Drake. Really bothered me because I thought that was hilarious. I loved playing through the game as Fat Nathan Drake. Oh, I didn't even know about that. And getting and getting rid of it because well, it makes some people unhappy because gamers sit on their ass all day and they're kind of fat. <laughs> so now we can't make fun of our audience. 
Go ahead. I was going to say at the top of the conversation too, when you were saying, um, and then we, we kind of just touched on it again about, it's not that we as straight white dudes feel represented by, you know, cause I was thinking like, well, Duke Nukem, I, I don't relate at all to Duke Nukem besides that he also loves hot, beautiful women. And so do I, but I, I, I think that that's as far as my compare, anything that I could relate to Duke Nukem would go is <laughs> just that he likes tits. Yeah, I mean, who do you relate to? Do you relate to Master Chief? Do you relate to Cole from uh, Infamous? Do you Cole relate McGrath. to... Nope. What the fuck's his name from Here's a War? They all have very generic names. Marcus Phoenix. Yeah, do you relate to Travis Touchdown? <laughs> I never actually played too much No More Heroes, but but no. Um, I don't relate to any of this shit. I, don't, I relate to none of it. I Yeah, I I know. Uh, but I I don't think about that either, and... Yeah, so they said, so she goes and she says they're doing a bunch of anger from people. Uh, I'm sure some of it is justified, some of it is not. Um, and then the next paragraph goes, I do not think that this latent yet ongoing anger comes from the majority of our intended or presumed audience. As I was saying on Facebook, a lot of it is coming from their audience, but as she said, not intended audience. So maybe she's correct there. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, really, it's, it's likely not even statistically significant compared to the millions of readers who read our work daily and love what we do, but harm does not require an army. All it takes is one asshole going out of their way to ensure a writer sees their bigoted screed. There's always <laughs> at least one. I do, not, I do not want to tell my writers to grow thicker skin, though inevitably they do. I want the world to be a kinder place. It shouldn't require bravery to write about fucking video games. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't require I, bravery I can't imagine to it write does. about video games. <laughs> No, Here's I... the thing. It does require bravery to post anything online. That's true. Even that a comment on Facebook among shows. just your friends. Yeah, even commenting on Facebook just among your friends takes bravery because someone's going to say something that they don't, they don't agree with you. They're going to shit on you. Someone's going to say it takes bravery to post anything on, on the Internet. It takes bravery to criticize this to a certain degree because if anyone ever found out about it, uh, and you know, I work in the gaming industry, I'm sure people will, if it ever got popular at all, People will try to take me down. They'll, they'll try to make me lose my job. My boss is a bit of a conservative, so I'm not scared. But, <laughs> but sure, it takes bravery to to say anything on the internet. But at the same time, it doesn't. It just it's just voicing your opinion. Mm -hmm. It's bravery to a certain extent, but in a way, if it's your job, then it's just your job. And uh, to call it bravery seems a bit disingenuous. It seems like you're exaggerating a bit yeah. of what you're doing again it seems it seems a bit like a victim victimizing yourself right that it takes bravery to write a video game review here's the thing it wouldn't take bravery if you were just writing about video games in video games but you want to make it social you want to shit on conservatives you want to shit on people who don't agree with you so you're going to get criticism aimed back at you that's just the way it's going to be there's a lot of conservatives who play video games again i, I like you i would consider myself more independent that's why I'll just say right, left. I'll just say Democrats, Republicans. I don't really consider myself too much of anything. But um, you want to make you want to make the world a kinder place, but you kind of want to discriminate against who your audience is. That's what I mean. Like when she actually when she actually writes about the gaming industry in this article, I agree with it. Talking mm -hmm. about worshiping the SEO gods and how hard it is to get to people for people to find your work. Uh, stuff like that. Like, I agree with that stuff. Like, that stuff's good. But then whenever it's 
I want to say sprinkled, but it's not even sprinkled. It's right in your face. This woke stuff is right in your face. And then it's, like I said, vague, nonsensical. I don't think it belongs here. I don't get it. Um, yeah, they're like, oh, go ahead. I was going to ask, so the part where she says, anger stoked by influencers who need you to believe game journalists are awful. Have you, is that something that you've ever encountered? I mean, I know we don't watch streams or anything like that. Or, you know, I, I listen to a few podcasts, but does that make sense to you? Is there some kind of demonization of games journalists on the influencer end of things that you've ever noticed? Maybe we just aren't in that sphere enough, but... No. I mean, I don't watch that many streamers. Well, I, I know for a fact that... Uh, what's the dude who wears the wig who was banned from Twitch? Uh, Dr. Uh, Disrespect. Yeah. Dr. Disrespect. Uh-huh. Uh, he does talk a lot of shit on Kotaku and like woke journalism and stuff like that. So I'm sure they're referring to people like him, people who... Again, people who disagree, and then there's then there's people like Jason Schreier who a lot of people in the gaming industry have uh, problems with. So she's probably talking about people like that. Okay. Um, so there are people who who think I mean we're doing it right now. So she's talking about people like us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who, who who are just commenters? We're not streamers. Well, I mean we're not video game streamers. We're not yet, but we're commenters. Uh, so I guess maybe we could even be lumped in there. Yeah, I suppose. We're certainly not saying she's awful, though. I, I just I feel like that's another kind of kind of extreme thing to say. Maybe outside of maybe like you're saying, I, I guess maybe Doctor Disrespect and stuff. But I've never watched a minute of his content these, in my life. Right. I don't know these people personally enough to call them awful. My girlfriend and I were talking about this yesterday of judging a person's act and instead of judging the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that way, because the person can always change, the person can be can become better, and it's we can't exactly call someone trash or a piece of shit as an individual because there's there's good things to everyone and bad things to everyone uh, however certain acts of theirs we can i think it's totally fine to judge i mean you can't go through life without criticizing and judging things that's what we do as humans all the time mm-hmm. that's how we pick our friends that's how we pick our partners we're always discriminating in all kinds of ways in order to suit our own lives anyway one more paragraph here i want to read and then we can uh, put this to rest Okay. All right. She goes on to say, I want Kotaku to reflect things that are real. I want to print stories that you'd be able to tell a friend about at a bar, even if they don't play games. The way that we talk about games on the site should be the same way that we talk about it in an actual conversation. I do not care if the language or attitude of Kotaku appears proper and respectable. Fuck that. (laughs) This is what she all said. Uh I'm going to read that again. (laughs) <laughs> I do not care if the language or attitude at Kotaku appears proper and respectable. Fuck that. Games are human, and so are we. Anytime there is a discrepancy between... Anytime as two words. It should be one word as an editor. <laughs> anytime, there, anytime there is a discrepancy between what we actually think and what lives on the page is when we betray not only our readers, but ourselves. So obviously, if hypocrisy isn't obvious... Uh, well, I said obvious twice in one sentence. Uh... She goes on, She uh, earlier she says she wants it to be a nicer, more inclusive place. And then uh-huh. she says she doesn't give a fuck about being proper and respectable. Yes. Give me a break. Okay, right. So, yeah, okay, so since humans are humans, her website doesn't need standards. You know, it, it doesn't need to be in any way professional because we're all human. Because I thought right. that was very glaringly hypocritical, too, to go on and on about hate speech and then... And then, you know, pull a 180 and say she doesn't care if their language and attitude is proper and respectable. Shouldn't you try to uphold a standard that you're 
that you're upset that that you're saying that you're upset that some people don't abide by is not the troll a human is not the troll a human too (laughs) it is it is that's human nature you know sometimes people just want to troll a little bit there's a little troll in all of us Uh and she knows that that's what that means she wants to troll people who don't agree with her with her offensive language she knows that but uh no maybe i mean if she's just talking about throwing a fuck word in here and there I understand. I mean, we would do that on our website sometimes if we were reviewing and oh, absolutely yeah. wanting to swear about something. I think a lot of people do that now. Uh, it seems like she's talking about more than just saying swear words. It, it does. I think she's like talking about having an attitude towards a certain audience that she doesn't consider the audience that she would like to represent her audience. She has a certain attitude towards them and they can go fuck themselves. That's kind of what I get from that. I certainly don't, don't, don't really read it any other way, but so to, uh, to walk that back to the to the beginning of that paragraph <clears throat> the i want to print stories that you'd be able to tell a friend about at a bar even if they don't play games so it's like what uh okay so like i had this little i don't know this little example scenario in mind so it's like oh hey man i know you don't play or give a shit about video games but i read this sick article on a video game website about how uh i don't know how soul caliber is removing the super bouncy tits from their games score for gender equality like it, like is that what she means why what I article guess, from a like video if, game site are you going to be talking about to someone who isn't knowledgeable or interested in video games? Like, what does that even mean? Yeah, it would have to be. Have you ever talked to someone who doesn't play video games about video games? They no. can't fucking stand it. <laughs> or, I mean, have or, you ever tried? Or, they can't do it. Probably, they, they but yeah. just zone out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. just zone out. No, I have. So yeah. Would, I've took co- have coworkers to be and mixing, stuff. Yeah, I would have to be mixing social issues with video game stuff and then talking about your activist friends about your video game social issues that you wrote about or read about today it would have to be something like that did you know that nintendo took out the breast slider in this game because it's sexist to have big tits big hot oh that's really interesting i'm so glad glad here nintendo's being really progressive (laughs) yeah so i just don't even know two shots i just don't even know what that means (laughs) yeah yeah so I I thought uh, yeah I thought that I thought that was weird, because again I, I I said this already but it sounds like she doesn't want to be a a games journalist then, like you're saying yeah, she would rather be an that's, activist. That's really good. Maybe she's just a failed news journalist who landed in the video game sphere. So now she wants to bring her far left social political shit into the video game sphere because she hasn't made it into the New York Times yet. Yeah. Maybe that's what this is. Could be. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you would think as EIC, and, and this is the article that you're posting to to, to make an impression that yeah, you, you think she would have you know, maybe re, maybe thought about it a little bit more before posting it. And she talks about how, how much pressure there was on it, but if she felt that much pressure, she could have made it a little more coherent, maybe. Yeah, I mean, there's only pressure if if you... A lot of that comes from the inside. I mean, and I think that's what a lot of these left, far-left people or lefty people don't get is it starts from within. If you feel like you're being pressured or you're nervous to write this, there's something inside of you. You need to adjust. I want to say fix uh, a lot of, I mean, therapy can help or a good friend to talk to can help. But that kind of attitude is like, I expect the world around me to change for me. Whenever mm-hmm. the reality is, it's the opposite of that. You need to change in order, in order to change the world around you, you you're gonna have to change inside first. 
you can't expect everyone else for you to watch their mouth, watch their language, watch their opinions, which is insane, in order to make you feel better. Mm-hmm. You have to adjust how you handle other people's opinions and words, and that'll make you calmer, that'll make you better, and then that will naturally flow out and hopefully change things around you. But you can't just, like an authoritarian, enforce other people to change for you in some kind of bullshit activistic or feminist way and a lot of feminism especially older feminism is good mm-hmm. but this new stuff i know i think they call it fourth wave feminism it's where it's like fuck men men are pieces of shit and uh Hypocritical. everyone should never say anything offensive ever because everyone has feelings and feelings get hurt is you you need to make only you can prevent your feelings from getting hurt you, yes other people can't do that for you yes you know it, it makes that makes me think of that uh you know, that, that phrase, uh, you know, win minds with honey, not vinegar. And, you know, you, you can't go out and, and again, I, I maybe rehashing some, some ideas that we've, that we've talked about here, but you know, like you're saying, you can't just go out and force change on people. You need to be able to listen and be open-minded if even just for a little bit and foster a conversation, because that's the only way that anything changes. And I know everyone's always saying that, like, Oh, I'll talk about it, talk about it. But we're not going to be able to talk about it if whenever it's being so asserted in this kind of very aggressive way or, or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's very hard to talk about. Well, and it's hard to talk about because people have feelings. And then when you want to talk about something that's hard to talk about, they're offended. Mm-hmm. Or you have people like, you know, Elizabeth Warren, who I used to love, yeah. who refuses to go on Fox News. She tells all of her, she tells Democrats, don't go on Fox News. They're the enemy. Okay. If you're going to look at the other political party and people who have different opinions than you as the enemy, and then you call them divisive whenever you refuse to even talk to them, you can't figure anything out unless you talk to each other. And that kind of mindset uh, drives me nuts. I can't stand it. Mm -hmm. Okay, sorry. I didn't mean to break the flow there, but I had to make the flow. Right. right. (laughs) I think the flow was at the end. I think we're done with that topic. Yeah, I think so. So, okay. All right. Well, uh, so that was that conversation. I hope you stuck around, listener. And, oh, and, and No one wants to listen to us bumbling idiots <laughs> that talk about social issues. No one cares. Well, you know. We're just a couple of nobodies. Whenever you cut out all the like, um, uh, well, uh, uh. After all that shit's yeah. edited out, we actually sound pretty intelligent. So, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's yeah, gonna be great. I can't wait till you get those edits in. Insider, inside. <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad. It, no, it really it, wasn't that. Bad. No, I don't. I don't think it was. I, I think that was great. So again, I, I will say one more time: uh, Jolly Jelly Media at Gmail dot com. Give us your questions, concerns. Chime in on the conversation. We would uh, we would love to hear from you. So, so we're gonna move on to the next segment of the show, which is uh, news stuff. And so, uh, before we jump into state of play here, you wanted to rant about the Psychonauts 2 invincibility rant. mode. No, I don't, I don't want to rant about it. I just want to talk about it. It's another, <laughs> <laughs> it's another issue that is, it's, it's been in the, people have been going back and forth on it lately. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just interesting. So I, I want to talk about it. Yeah. Psychonauts 2 added, uh, they're going to, they're going to have an in, invincibility mode so you can play without taking any hits. <laughs> so, and you know, the people on the left, I don't I shouldn't say left and right, but it's probably left and right. Some people are complaining like, 
well, that makes it too easy. Who the fuck wants to play a video game like that? And it's bullshit. And, and it, you know, it makes things too easy. It's stupid. And then the people on the other side are saying, who cares? If they want to turn it on, they can. If they don't, they don't have to. That's the so, camp I'm in. And I think, what's that? I said, I'm in that ladder camp there. I mean, who cares? But no, but go on. I think the real answer is, as always, the real answer is always somewhere in the middle. My own personal opinion is, so I grew up, I started playing video games when I was four years old, back in the Atari days, whenever, you know, games were obscure, like E.T., and I uh, didn't know what the <laughs> fuck was going on. <laughs> no, video games were hard. They were hard, and you couldn't pause it, you couldn't save it, you had to finish it in one go, and if you died, that was it, start over later, right? Everything was a roguelike back then, in a way. And I think, you know, talking on a bigger scale, I think if you're forced to play things that are more difficult, especially if you're a younger player, and, the, and it's a video game, right? It's a game. You play it, you should have some challenge. I, otherwise, I kind of feel like, what's the point? And if you play video games when you're younger, and you get used to this flow of, this is hard, I need to learn from my mistakes, I have to get better, in order to beat this, I have to pay attention. I have to focus. That I would imagine, if you play a lot of video games as a kid growing up, that would affect your mind in a way where you grow up failing at things, but realizing I got to get better. I want to succeed. Whereas, you know, a lot of the, maybe a lot of conservatives would say, well, this is like snowflake shit. This is everyone gets a trophy shit. And it kind of is. It kind of is. And again, you don't have to do it, right? And it's just one game. But if it's just one game, does it lead in 10 years into the future? Is it 70% 70, 70 of games now have an invincibility mode? I don't know. I could see that happening. Yeah. Um, I, well, I, wouldn't, I still wouldn't care if that's the truth. Because isn't it more of an accessibility issue? Isn't it for the people who struggle to play things and just... But they... You know, for whatever maybe handicap or can you even say handicap anymore, but whatever handicap they might have or or whatever their issue is, you know. But I mean, is I, it, so is yeah, that what it's for? I think it's an accessibility thing because uh, uh he, he goes by the the blind gamer, but uh, he guests on some podcasts I listen to, and and he's like one of the he's like the main proponent of accessibility in games, and and I think that's what it is. Is it's it's not to it's not about giving a participant participation trophy as much as it is just being able to, to make sure that as many people as possible can play your can play your game and if and if someone has trouble kind of you know controlling things but they want to they still want to get the story of the video game and be involved in the conversation um i, th I think that that's what that's for and and I don't, I don't think that's really an issue okay well then then this leads me to another question how do you even play the game at all <laughs> like what number one microsoft is working on or has released or is working on uh controllers for mm -hmm. people able people right who can't play with a normal controller so that's a great that's a great addition uh to help them out uh-huh but so if you have to use a normal controller but you still can't get past the segment even if it's on easy or very what <laughs> are you just holding it up on the joystick to get from one area to the next and if that's what you're doing i i i, I, I still like kind of miss the point of what's the point of playing it mm-hmm if it's that hard for you just, to play to begin with. Just inclusivity. With, All right. you know, video games okay, are popular but, and everyone wants to be involved in the conversation. And uh... But still, like, what are you getting out of it? If it's like you're just holding in forward and pushing square to hit some enemies and they can hit you as much as you want and you're just standing there getting demolished, but you just keep pushing square to kill the enemies and then you push forward to move to the next area, like, 
handicapped or not, I well, maybe I'm being rude here, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't see the point. I don't see it. And you know there's going to be a ton of people who don't have any problems. I, I guarantee you who it's going to be mostly people it's going to be mostly people who don't have problems who use this. It's who not cares? <laughs> who cares? Because like I said, I think it's leading people to get things in life too easily. And as their years go on, and as more video games add it, I think it will affect culture to a certain degree as a whole 10 years in the future. That's just my opinion. Eh, I mean, could. <laughs> but, I mean, if it doesn't hurt you and it maybe helps someone else, eh, what's the problem? I mean, honestly... I understand what you're saying, and it does make sense. But yeah, you know, for me personally, I don't, I don't give a shit how other people play stuff. Um, you know, because we were talking on last show how I, uh, a lot of things I'll play on hard because I like the challenge, and that's fine. And and again, maybe somebody just wants to be involved in the conversation, and they want to play through the game themselves. Maybe they don't want to just watch someone play it because, yeah, that might be an accomplishment for for somebody who who has a who has difficulty playing games in a traditional sense. And so if they can find a means to get through a game, even if it is like you kind of just get through the game, then if it makes them happy, then who cares? But Yeah, well, like I said, I if it if it makes society more like weaker in the future and like, I deserve things, give me things, and then you don't have to really work for it. And I, I see this now, and I, I can't really talk about <laughs> uh, my job and stuff. But right. I see so many people who come out of college who need their hand held because they expect things, but they don't know how to do anything. And I would even say, even like a lot of these writers for Kotaku and like TMZ and who write all this shit articles, and they get paid, what, fifty to $70,000 a year to not add anything to society, but just write shit and they think that they deserve it. And it's like, I don't know, it just bothers me. It bothers me when we, when we cater to the lowest common denominator. And I'm not talking about handicapped people. I'm talking about people who want things to be easy just so they can accomplish something sure but i might retort that these people are probably if someone's like this they're probably going to be like this anyway and i don't know how much you know right. god god mode options and games are really right. going to contribute to that overall because but that's but that's my worry is are we going to create more people like that that's yeah. my worry mm -hmm. anyway it's just one game i don't think it's a big but... deal for right now i don't think it's a big deal but i think it could lead to a bigger deal i mean they tried to pull this shit with like Sekiro, right? Like there should be an easy mode or an accessibility option. That's like, the the accessibility discussion always comes back to Souls games and how those games just are what they are. And since they, but since they're so praised that like I, I hear them get a pass a lot. It's like, well, that's that's their vision for the game because people love Souls so much. But but if other games don't have the accessibility options, they might be judged more harshly. Right. And and maybe that's you know right or wrong or or, or whatever. But you know, so I I will hear that. I will hear that with Sekiro and, and Dark Souls and things like that, where it's like, well, but that's their vision for the game, and it would be nice if more people can play, but that's just not the way the game's built. And so those seem to get a pass, but most things, you know, most things don't as much. But those games, right. with having the multiplayer, and, and that's the thing, too. That's the main difference, I, I think, that, that we should highlight in this conversation is if these are things for just a single player person to make their experience easier if they want or whatever, then so what? Where these accessibility things get tricky is multiplayer, and so and and that's so then that's another reason why you can't have these things in in something like Souls where invasions and player versus player is such a key part of the game is because well then everyone's just going to turn all the accessibility on and everyone 
And that's that would become the, the way that you need to play the game in PvP is have all the accessibility on because that's what everyone else is going to be using. And so... Right. So, but if it's in someone's campaign or whatever, if it's just a story that someone wants to experience, however they can experience it, then whatever. But were you going to say right. something else about this uh, the, from software games? Scat, tell you what? No, I was going to talk more about this. I had some things I wanted to say. Oh, I mean, in relation to this. Well, case. maybe. How how would you feel about this? Do you think this is cruel? How about okay, you can turn on invincibility, but then the achievements and trophies get turned off. That that is that is something that I've heard. I mean, like a like a, a topic of discussion I've heard. Again, I don't. Why? I mean, because trophies really matter. I mean, I, I don't think. Like, again, if it's if if they're if it's multiplayer, if it has anything to do with multiplayer, yes, disable the trophy then. But but if it but if it's just a single player narrative little game that someone's playing, I don't care if they get the damn trophy. I don't I don't care if someone gets trophies. I care about my trophies. I don't give a shit I about how, how other people get their trophies. I do. There's there's trophies for like beat the game on hard, beat the game on normal. Now it's just going to be like well, those trophies can still be there. Turn on the mode, and then just, it defeats the point of trophies. Like, this goes back to everyone gets a trophy. Literally, you get a <laughs> fucking trophy for doing nothing. But it's video games. Who cares? You know. Yeah. But there was something else I wanted to say, but I, I lost it whenever my cat was attacking my foot. <laughs> Mine's in the windowsill behind me right now, as I'm sure you've you've noticed. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Uh, it's not a big deal for one game, although I will say. If we if we're doing this podcast for years, as as this trend grows in like five years, whenever most games yes. have this shit, I'm gonna be like, I fucking told you, man. Yeah, let's keep an eye on it. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye on it. But uh, this game maybe not a big deal because I don't see many people playing it. Sorry, Mister Schaefer. Uh, maybe yeah. there's a huge yeah, too little too fan, fan base. I don't think there is. I'm sure, there's a small niche uh, group. I can't imagine it's too big. No. Yeah, I don't think I have much more to say about this. I just thought it was an interesting conversation. Yeah, definitely. And uh, like I said, I don't think it's a big deal for one or two games, but as Kotaku and Polygon and people write articles praising it and loving it, more games are going to take it on. Uh-huh. Well, you know, I think another thing uh, that brings value to this small little conversation we had is we kind of finally, we, we took two different sides of something for the first time in the show. How about it? It's, it's not just, yeah, We're not just agreeing totally with each other. I mean, I don't think we strongly disagree either, but at least, at least we got to kind of differ different perspective a little bit for once. So, hey, look at that, yeah. listener. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I don't care right now, but if it becomes, like I said, if it creates more people who expect things have to be handed to them, which there's already an epidemic of this. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm not trying to sound like some <laughs> crazy some conservative or something. But uh, the water's turning us. The frog's it's gay. It's gonna, it's gonna be bad, except because. You know, culture affects society. Video games do affect society. I think people think that's not a big deal. Who cares? But whenever people on the left tend to say that, ten years go by, then it's like, oh, whoops, there's a problem with people now in this re- this regard or that regard. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, you're not thinking long term enough. Sure. Again, it doesn't seem like a big deal now, and I hope it doesn't become a big deal. <laughs> I probably sound crazy, but uh, that's it. that's my opinion. <laughs> All right. Uh, how, how we will definitely going. Mm-hmm. We'll definitely keep an eye on that. Uh, all right, we'll run down through the state of play. That was July 8th, I believe. Um, we are recording on the 14th. Uh, but so relatively recent um, PlayStation state of play. We're going to go chronologically through the games that were shown. It was only a half hour long. Ten minutes of that was for Deathloop. Um, we'll start off right. with uh, the first game that they showed was Moss Book 2 for the PSVR, seemingly the original PSVR and not PSVR 2. 
and the graphics would seem to suggest that that's true because they didn't look necessarily very good. So um, I didn't play the first Moss. I I don't have a PSVR. My only VR experience personally was at uh, your house playing, you know, fiddling around with Super Hot and Half Life Alex, and I loved it. And I fully intend to get a PSVR two when the day comes. Don't but get about. Don't forget about Robo Recall. Robo Recall. That game is so good. Uh-huh. Yeah, so you also, I know, haven't played PlayStation VR in particular, but uh, did, did Moss 2 do anything for you? Yeah, well, I mean, I started playing Moss. I played probably two hours of it. Uh, I don't think it's that long of a game. Is it on Steam as well? But I did. Yeah, I didn't finish okay. it. Um, I thought it was really neat. It's not much of a VR experience. It's, it's almost like you're playing like a ch- children's pop-up book. Because you're looking down and controlling the mouse while you're looking down, so it's 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 cool in VR, but it it's not like true VR experience. You know what I mean? Uh huh. But uh, but it was good, and I'm sure this one will be even better. I didn't play through all of the first one, but it looks like this one has some new mechanics and stuff. So I'll probably go back and finish the first one and then go to this one at some point. But yeah, I don't have too much to say about this. I'm sure it'll be a good game. Yeah, it should be fun. Uh, next up was Arcade Again, and um, initially I, I missed that this was Illphonic, uh, and then after I uh, they they did the Friday the Thirteenth game that I that I love very much. Oh really? Which which that. isn't very technically good, but you know I, I loved it anyway. I have, I have a lot of good <laughs> a lot of good fucking times with that game. But so uh-huh. this this game Arcade Again actually was became more interesting to me after I learned that it was Illphonic doing it. Because then I think they also did uh, Predator Hunting Grounds, but I only did I only did the beta and I wasn't I wasn't very into it. I don't give a shit about Predator as much as I do Jason either, so I just thought you know the sh- whatever. So did that come out? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it's been out for a while. Is it still alive? Do people play it? I don't know. I don't hear anything about it. Huh. So I mean, who yeah. knows? Yeah, anyway, go ahead. But so anyway, um, it was kind of just like a I I don't know what's going on. It's some kind of like third person arena shooter it looks like but it's yeah you would think but, that right but they have like That's ball bats and puzzle things going on i mean i don't i don't know yeah and the character and the characters thought, look like osmosis jones i thought i thought that was funny but it, so yeah so go oh, on yeah it's super flashy and you know numbers popping up and shit like a lot of i don't know what do you want to call it? I, don't, I don't know if you want to call it a looter shooter so here's what here's what i i thought it was a competitive arena game right where it had a bunch of different mini games like Hitting people off the platform and playing like a sports game where you shoot the goal because that's what it looked like that's in the trailer, right? That's what it right? looks like, yes. So I did more research and that's not what it is. It's oh. like a single player. It's a single player roguelike game, and maybe there's some competitive or maybe there's some co-op elements. But it, it seems like it's just you versus AI in a roguelike where you just go around, you collect weapons, you try to beat the level, whatever it's telling you to do, and that's that. I guess it's more of a single player slash co-op thing and not a competitive game. Oh, I thought it. I thought I thought. Wow, if this is a competitive game with a ton of different mini games going on, that's kind of really cool. And I guess that's not what it is. So I was excited, and then I lost my excitement. Okay, yeah, I didn't. I didn't look into it beyond that. But but if that's the case, then they certainly didn't show it very well because because wasn't the state of play going on about like oh like get cosmetics and look super cool and stuff? Yeah, and it's yeah, just... I guess there's a lot of cosmetics and stuff. But I I watched someone play it like for 50 minutes. Um, and I watched a couple videos of it and it was all single player stuff and the way people were talking about it was like, yeah, it was just a roguelike where you try to get from beginning to, to the end and you kind of unlock some stuff along the way. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, that, that seems like what it was and yeah, I kind of lost my interest after that. Yeah. And um, 
Uh, it, it is currently in PS5 early access, uh, but it uh, is set oh, yeah. is set to, for full release sometime in 2022. No, no date on that. No set date. Yeah, so it's you can already buy. It's you have to buy it. Twenty dollars. Oh, it's not a free early access. No. And that's the thing is like, because I looked it up because I was like, maybe I'll play it before the podcast, and I was like, oh no, fuck you. No, I'm not oh, doing that. Okay, you know what? That's that's Hunter's Arena too, but but we'll get there because it's also um, technically early access, but it's but we'll get there. That that brings up another conversation that we can have another day. That might be a topic of the show is what the PC what the PC can get away with that consoles can't. Because I'm a PC gamer as well, and early access on Steam, where you buy games for twenty dollars, people do it all the time. Uh-huh. But when you see it on console, you're more like, ugh, nah. There is right. a different mm-hmm. feeling on console than PC with this kind of stuff. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to go into detail now. We can talk about it some other time. Sure, 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 sure. Okay, so then after that was Trials of Midgard, which is a uh, isometric. Uh, they describe it as a survival action RPG, which um, I, I thought was interesting. How because it, you know it looks like a Diablo or like something like a Torchlight. So I yeah. so I, I'm interested to know how the survival comes into it and i guess the trailer was kind of showing that you have to like build a base and protect it from giants and stuff so i guess that's where the survival comes in is like the base building and maintaining i suppose maybe um yeah you have to you build up your fort and keep things out and almost i don't know kind of minecrafty where you you know and minecraft when it gets dark the zombies come or whatever and you have to have a house built i don't oh. know if it's something similar to that it reminds me of terraria as well right yeah um yeah at least I think that happens in Minecraft, unless I'm wrong. No, <laughs> no, wrong. no, you're right. But uh, Terraria as well, which um, I, I did play a little bit Terraria. Never played Minecraft, but from what I understand, Terraria is kind of like almost like a 2D Minecraft, except less customization things. Right. But uh, but anyway, so whatever. I, it doesn't do much for me. It's it's already talking about like seasonal content and like all these things and uh, get cosmetics and look really cool and <laughs> all the shit that, you know, who gives a fuck, you know, for, for, yeah. for gamers like us. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought the artwork was cool, and I thought the combat looked good. I, I thought it has a chance of being addicting. Yeah. Um, depending on how they handle it, I'm, I have no idea. But I thought it was really weird because they were the game's not even out yet, and they were like, "We're starting out with season one with new uh-huh. classes and new bosses." And I'm like, "What do you mean new? Yeah, it's new? It's, it's all, all new. new." Yeah, I know. I thought that too. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And, unless it came out before in early access or something, I I don't know, but pretty sure it from does. what i read online I, I tried to i tried to research it and it just seems like this is just new it's just yeah so from what i can gather it's it's uh it's coming to ps5 ps4 and steam on july 27th i it's not out so yeah that the whole that's what the whole phrasing was weird yeah it was bad phrasing i think what, what they might be talking about is you have free classes you can play as and maybe if you subscribe to the season one pass there's new classes you can unlock or get maybe it's that but yeah they, they, they didn't say it they didn't word it well yeah i don't know how i don't know about unlocking the classes but it did say you start off with two and that there's a total of 10 right now i believe a, a total of 10 and you start with two so i yeah so maybe you have to buy those extra ones to unlock them or yeah maybe you have to subscribe to some kind of pass to get yeah. i don't know yeah maybe but at the same the thing is they're not new they're either all new because it's not out yet yes yeah i know it's still dumb. <laughs> anyway yeah uh it has potential but I really have no idea how it's going to turn out. Yeah. So I thought what we, I thought what might what might be interesting is if we gave predictions on what we think these games will be rated when they're scored, and then see how close we are. Oh, that's fun. Do that. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Okay. So we'll finish this because the last thing I wanted to say was the, the the one thing that did interest me, and I I didn't catch this the first time I I was 
watching the state of play. I just kind of had it on in the background or whatever. But today when I was going back through, what caught my attention about this game was that it's 10 players. And it's co-op. Right. But it looked like there's only ever five people running around at a time. So is it like two teams of five that you're like in a uh, share, like in a shared world or well, something? Like I don't, I don't. No. Yeah. Because surely all sure ten people aren't world. running around together. Because it looked like there's only ever five people at a team that they were showing. But it's supposed yeah, to be sure ten players. Screen. Yeah, that could be too. But because I mean, because then how would that work if you just have ten fucking people running around spamming big AOE attacks? Yeah, that's the problem with these kind of games. Is that not going to get chaotic? Too. You know. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking watching it. Is it and that's chaotic and there's a lot of games like this where it's like this class complements this class, but it's like there's so much going on the screen you don't know what the fuck is happening. Mm-hmm. It's like when you play an MMO and it's just like all these flashes and lines, like uh, shit shooting and going uh, on, and it's like <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know who's doing what. Uh, Christ, even playing you know Diablo three with one other person. I mean, right. w- once you level up a little bit, I mean, even with two people only, the screen is just I want to say menagerie. I don't think that's a word, but just like a, a collage of just just blood and pixels and gore and just like uh light animations and aoe animations and and and, yeah, and, I mean, and even with two people it can be hard to keep it keep straight what exactly is going on on screen let alone fucking 10 people yet yeah. most games or almost all games no one does that well no one makes really good class animations so you know exactly what's going on and what buffs and debuffs are active it's just all a mess of shit on your screen like uh-huh. outriders handled it kind of well like i think outriders yeah, I could kind of, I could tell what was, go- it was just you and me playing, but I could tell what was going on based on the ice powers, or is there a, a, a slow motion filled up or whatever, like, oh yeah, you could, you could tell what was going on by what people were, you could tell what people were doing, what skills they were using, mm-hmm. but in most games you can't, you just don't know, it's just chaos. Right, so the, the 10 player thing could be cool, it could be, it could be confusing chaos, so we'll have to see, but, but that 10 player thing was the most interesting thing of that whole uh, trailer to me, so... Yeah. All right. So we'll start doing the the score thing, and then we'll, ba- we'll let's, back. Let's go over all. Let's go over all the games, and then we'll just review them all real quick. Okay. Okay. So next, Fist Forged in Shadow Torch. What an awful name. I know. I, I think that's why they're calling it Fist. It's because they're like, well, we can't call it Forged in Shadow Torch. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe that's but some kind of translation thing. Name. Right. Now, maybe that something happened in translation because I think it is a primarily like a Chinese produced game i'm sure like once we play it it'll make sense but it sounds really bad i mean even fist sounds bad <laughs> right yeah so i i guess it's relevant because there's a bunny with a big robot fist but he looks like a yeah. bucky is it bucky o'hare or whatever he just looks like a gruff more like realistic version of just like anthropomorphic bunny man who's oh bucky o'hare is green and space rabbit I don't oh know if he looks like that. no i was thinking okay i was thinking the ninja turtles toy that is the white rabbit whatever his name is oh yeah, I don't remember what his name is. Uh, whatever. I'm blanking on yeah, it. Correction for next week. I thought, the, I thought the game looked cool. I mean, it looks like it's combo heavy. A lot of air juggling and punching things. Yeah. It looked slow. That could be fun. I don't know. It, I wouldn't say it looked fun. It looked interesting. Right. I don't know. Apparently, it's a Metroidvania. And honestly, I mean, I don't know if this hurts my gamer cred or something, but I'm not big on Metroid vania things i just that wasn't a style of game i grew up playing and and i've experienced some recently but um you know i fucked around with hollow knight a little bit didn't feel compelled to finish it now would you say shovel knight no because shovel knight's more like a like a mega man where it's like yeah you're you're going through a level you're not backtracking and shit and so backtracking was a thing personally for me that i didn't understand for for a long time 
and, and video, like looking back at my video game career like that wasn't that, right. that was always something that annoyed me it's like like i you know when when you see yep. the door and you want to and it's there and you and then like, you gotta find the red key yeah you gotta come you gotta come back four hours later and remember to come back here yeah and, i never liked that stuff either that's why i never played like any of the metroid games when i was younger i really didn't like that stuff but I, so i take it back that i said this game doesn't look fun no it, thro- it, it throws in some bullet hell elements, which does look does look fun. Yes, it does graphically look cool. And yeah, the combat and stuff, it does look fun. But describing it as a Metroidvania, eh, I, it's not. I can't see me ever giving it a shot over anything else that I want to play. Right. So um, Yeah, unless the reviews come out and it's like, this game's so fucking good, then I, I probably won't even, I probably won't try it. Right. So yeah. So who knows? It was announced for PS4 in July of 2020. It was delayed to the spring, and now it is delayed to September 7th, where it will release on PS5, PS4, and PC. So that is Fist Forged right. in Shadow Torch. Next up, and this is the one that I mentioned, uh, Hunter's Arena. And then they they put on Legends because you always got to put the word Legends on a title of something now. But um, right. That's that's the. The first thing I've written here is, fuck that name. <laughs> uh, it reminds uh, me of all the games I work on in the localization industry. That's this is like you know Hunter's Arena, Warriors Arena, Warrior Circle. It's just like Battle Warriors time. Battle. It's just like yeah. <laughs> just take these generic words and put them together. Yeah, whatever. Who cares? Don't get it. And I think that's partially why they do it is because there's a lot of at least there's a lot of mobile gamers who Arena they hear Hunter. And they kind of already get an idea of like what this is about, and that's probably why they're doing it. But I think if you're a more core gamer, you just roll your eyes. It just sounds generic and boring. Yes, yes. Uh, so let's see. So according to the trailer, uh, it's coming to PS5 and PS4 next month. It says with with no date. Um, so according to the voiceover there, uh, but it also mentions at the very end that it will be free on PS Plus, free on PS Plus on August third. So it's already telling you. It'll be out for a month, but don't buy it because you're going to get it for free. So that's kind of strange. Yeah, that's weird. And so it's so I was looking up uh, when I was looking into it earlier, I brought up the Steam page. And so it's seemingly been in early access on Steam since July 15th, 2020. At least that's what it says. The initial release date, what release date was on Steam. Uh, oh, yeah. And then so and then the description states and and I, I just wanted to make a note of this because they misspell. They, there's a typo here and it's funny. Um, so anyway, for the sake of clarity, on Steam, it's described as Hunter's Arena is a 30-player PvP and PvE combat-based battle royale set in ancient Asia, because they spelled Asia A-I-S-A on the oh, nice. on the Steam page Asia. for the game, and I can't believe that hasn't been fixed yet. Asia. So yes. Yeah, so, right. So anyway, yeah, so, so it looks like a third-person kind of action thing. You run around and just like beat up monsters, but so... So apparently, though, well, I guess it's about having it's about having oil, right? yes. So then, I guess there's up to thirty players in this world, and so it almost looks like one of these like emptyish MMO worlds where you're just running around hitting shit. But the catch is that another player can be can ambush you at any time. I guess think kind of like like a like a like you know like a Dark Souls. I, I guess honestly is well, you know you're 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 doing whatever your task is, but at, at any given time you might be ambushed by a by a player. And so that could yeah, be so. Neat. Is it a bad? Is it a battle royale? Are you supposed to kill the other people and win? Or are you supposed to complete quests and there just happens to be other people in the world? I don't know. They said a battle royale, so I'm assuming you have to kill the... 
yeah. other players. Yeah, and 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 then it just it kept saying things like, "Oh, be the best hunter in the arena." So level up. So the end Jesus. goal must be to be the last man standing. So I can only assume that yeah, maybe you're powering up by you know slaying mobs and stuff, much like a like a MOBA, like in a League of Legends or something, where you're um, or PVP is is obviously the crux of the experience, but for the first, you know, 15 minutes of the game, you're just kind of running around and just killing monsters and trying to level up and improve. Yeah. May, I, that sounds like that might be what it is. Yeah. So yeah, like a mix of a MOBA and a battle Royale. Yeah. I, it really annoys me that leveling up is a selling point to video games. <laughs> I don't know how many games I've played where you can level up where I'm like, why is this even here? I would say even like the Spider-Man games, like they just take like this single player story game and they just say, well, that's how people level up. And it's like, why? Because the leveling up is just, I get so much experience when I complete the quest, which I'm going to do anyway. It's not like you just run around grinding and faster than you should. Exactly. In these right. Single, in these single player, it's pointless. It it's a pointless mechanic fake. in a lot of single player games. Uh-huh. But people, they just want to throw numbers at you so you feel like you're accomplishing things. You did it. You made it to level 30. Well, I just finished the game in the, the linear fashion that you lit me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> uh yeah so so anyway when i was looking at the steam page it's it is it's half off right now for early access again so i i you know speaking of paying for early access which is kind of silly uh, but but it is half off right now so it's 9.99 until july 22nd if that interests anybody maybe listening which whatever it's user rating on steam is currently sitting at a six out of ten too so that's what I was going to rate it. That's what I was going to rate it. I was going to rate it a solid six. <laughs> yeah. So I threw that. I, yeah, f- I, mean, I thought we were going to do that. I threw it in here, but yeah. The combat looks interesting because I said it's like a mix of a fighting game with a battle royale. And so like when you engage in fighting, when you engage with another player, it turns into a kind of like a fighting game, like a 3D fighting game. That could be interesting. That could um, be. I think they have a lot of interesting ideas. I just don't know if they're going to execute them very well. Yeah. I would agree. So we'll we'll keep an eye on these things. Next up was Sifu, uh, set for launch in early 2022 for PS5 and PS4, and that uh, it, and that was the one where it just uh, it just looks like a semi straightforward brawler, but it has a neat little aging mechanic, I guess. And from the research I did, uh, whenever you die, your character ages, and and so you get to go back as a more wizened martial arts master or whatever, but. So when you die, when you die, do you become like more? Since you become older, then do they give you more health and more like moves? From what I understand, it makes it easier. Yes, but oh, okay. but you can't age forever. So there does come to a point where if if you fail too much, you will get too old and die. Yeah, and I guess you have to start. I was over. gonna, I was gonna ask. I was gonna ask. Is this a story thing or a mechanic? But I guess it's a mechanic. That actually sounds really cool. Like, so the goal is the game. The goal is to beat the game as young as possible. From what I understand, yes. Yeah, that's really that's really cool. Or 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 at least to beat it without failing so much that you get too old and die. Right, but then but the younger you beat the game as, the more that means you beat it harder. It means you you did it better. Yes. <laughs> right. You did it better. You did it better. Yes. Congratulations, son! You did it better. <laughs> so yeah, we'll have to see how the trophies reflect that. I mean, uh, we'll see. But um, but yeah, I mean that that was the what? this. How old do you start? It's like an infant. You just roll around on the ground. 
like in uh, Kung, Kung Pao. Pao. <laughs> Somebody just picks you up and rolls you down a hill and then you <laughs> die and you start at three years old. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> so cute. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, the trailer starts off like early 40s. So I don't know what the game might. Oh, oh, you're kitty. So I don't know where the game starts off at, but um, the, but the trailer starts off in the early 40s and sees him kind of go into his 50s as the, as the trailer goes, and and his hair does get like more and more gray and stuff as the age goes up, and so that, that's cool. But right, but yeah, it looks like a I, you know fun beat 'em up brawler kind of thing. Uh, has some like brutal looking. Uh, like takedowns or, or moves that you can pull off. It looks like you can pick up most things in the environment and bash shit off people. So I always appreciate that kind of thing. Yeah. I like beat em ups. I miss it. I don't play beat em ups nearly as much as I used to. I, I've been playing, uh, sometimes when I fire up MAME, I play uh, the Die Hard arcade game and uh, that's some good shit. <laughs> Let me drive. It's a really good beat em up. <laughs> not that. Not I know. The PlayStation one. I know not that one, but. That's my only favorite reference for diehard games is the PlayStation one. I love. I whenever that game came out, whenever I was younger, I was I was addicted to that. I played that <laughs> for so many hours. It was crazy. <laughs> it was like revolutionary. You could just sort of hit people in your car, and there would be blood on the windshield. And I was like, this this shit's crazy. <laughs> the wipers would wipe the blood off. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. I'm trying to think of other quotes from that game, but oh well. That's the only one I know. Let me drive. Oh shit. Yeah. So that, that was fun. Anyway, so oh, that was Sifu. Any 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 more ideas on that, or do you want to move on to Jet the Far Shore? Uh, no, we can move on. I think this cat won't leave me alone. I don't know if I need to feed it. Maybe I need to feed it. Oh, can you give me a second and cut this out? Yes. Okay, I'll be back. Well, I've got a boner, honey. I'm not a loner. Honey, baby, got this boner. Would you like to say Damn hello? Yeah. Okay. All right, where, where, where do we leave off? We're moving to the next thingamajig. Yes, yeah, so we are on Jet the Far Shore. And, uh, you know, I can go on a little rant here myself about how... Right. A good how or bad rant? Blank the blank naming conventions have always been very annoying to me. <laughs> Uh, especially when the things are like unrelated and random. So, so okay, so like bands like Young the Giant, Portugal the Man, which is a band that I used to love very much, but I still hate the name. Yeah. Horse huh. the Band. I don't know. Why, why? Why do you? Why does it bother you so much? I don't know. It's, it's like because it was just like a weird trendy thing. It's like as soon as like like Portugal the Man is the first band I noticed that like had a name like that, and then all of a sudden again like these Young the Giant, Horse the Band things like start popping up and for some reason it just annoys yeah. me for no p- particular reason it just uh it just annoys me horse the I band kind of makes sense though, right? at least it's a band and uh oh cage the elephant is one but caging an elephant makes sense so that one doesn't bother me but yeah jet <laughs> jet colon the far shore jet with yeah, two... this is different because there's a colon there right it's not this the that it's jet the far shore it's kind of different right <laughs> maybe it has the same cadence to it as a title jet the far shore Portugal, I don't know. For some reason, it just bothers me. It's stupid, but I, I don't like it. So Jet with two Ts, colon, the far shore. And so anyway, <laughs> that's so anyway, uh, all it says is coming out sometime this year. There's no set date on it, but it looks like you just kind of fly around and then you're supposed to avoid yeah. combat and stuff. I don't know. It's supposed to be exploration-based, but uh, it doesn't do anything for me. What, what do you think? 
it's hard to tell. It seems like the real gameplay is the flying. Uh, like you're flying around and you're jumping. Like there's, a, I guess there's a jump button for your ship. It looked like, and uh, sometimes things will attack you while you're flying, and you fly and you uh, scan the ground for shit. So it seemed like most of the gameplay was from flying, and then whenever you're on foot, it was generic as shit. <laughs> just like walking around, like talk, all of these talking to people. Really low texture characters just standing there staring at you, and they kind of twist <laughs> to look at you. It look very good. indie. But yeah, uh, I think so. It seems like most of the gameplay is when you're flying, but then there'll probably be some breaks where you're walking around. I don't know if I don't you're know probably if getting a walking simulator. You're probably getting kind of. Uh-huh. I see. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, probably walking around and just kind of getting the story portions of the game or whatever right. those those might be, just talking to NPCs, blah, 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 figuring out why you're exploring yeah. this planet is probably what those parts are for. And then it seems like, like you're saying, the core gameplay is just flying your jet around, jet with two Ts. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of No Man's Sky in the way that I probably were talking about it. Like, this game is based on when you look at the stars and we we want when you want to explore... And it's like, okay, so can you, I guess you can drive, go from planet to planet. And then they also started out, they said they started out with three developers and then gained more. So it became, it became maybe like a, a little bit more of a bigger budget game as it went on, which is kind of like No Man's Sky did. Okay. Uh -huh. um, I wouldn't say it doesn't look like it's going to play like No Man's Sky. No. But it has some similarities and uh, it's really hard to tell if, if it's going to be any good. It's, it's interesting. It's different, but it, I don't know. I wouldn't even say it's intriguing. What, there was a game that came out where you kind of explore different planets. It came out at the same time as, uh, oh boy, that that team that made, oh Jesus Christ, uh, New Vegas. The team that made New Vegas, they splintered off and made, um, what was it Lost Worlds? Is that what it's called? Outer Worlds. Outer Worlds. The Outer Worlds. Yes. Was, I'm curious about a game that, that came out. There was a game that came out around the same time as that. They had a similar name. Outer Wilds. Outer Wilds, that's it. Outer Wilds. And someone said, hey, I read, you like No Man's Sky? I was like, yeah, I love No Man's Sky. And they're like, we well, should try this. And I played it, and I was like, it has a sense of exploration to it, but it's not It's not No Man's Sky. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's another indie game where it's the characters are, I don't know, very kind of generic. I feel like, I feel, I feel like this a lot when I play video games, where a lot of the AI the NPCs just kind of stand there and they maybe like they'll turn their head to look at you or they just mm. their whole body will like pivot and it's like aren't we past this yet <laughs> like <laughs> I know like whenever I played uh Astro's Playroom and seeing all of the different animations all of the characters they put in there did I was like man this, they put so much work into these NPCs it's crazy so much so that when I went and played Ratchet the new Ratchet and Clank I was like this is way less involved than like Astro Astro's Playroom. So seeing like even like something below Ratchet and Clank where it's like the bare minimum of what an NPC does, which is just stand there and just kind of turns towards you it, it, anymore. It really pulls me out of like an experience. Uh-huh. But uh, I don't know. It's just, I'm sure like once you're playing it, it'll be fine. But yeah, I don't whenever know. I watch it on camera, whenever I watch a trailer and I'm like, oh boy. Yeah, it just seems like it's more for like a maybe toss it on at night, unwind, just peacefully, calmly explore a planet and let your mind go, kind of thing. And and um, I don't know. So that, that that's that's not really that's not really for me. Yeah. So I don't I don't know yeah, I don't know me. that I, I just... care. But uh, one thing though that I have heard 
regarding if we're comparing it to No Man's Sky is that there's not supposed to be any like resource gathering in this game either. Like you're not mining right. shit and doing well, all that shit. So yeah, it's supposed they to be all about the exploration. To say, right? Yes, they mentioned it on purpose. So they're like, hey, we're not No Man's Sky. That's kind of what they were saying with that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you're still exploring planets, but hey, you don't have to mine exotic metals. <laughs> huh? Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I don't know. It looks like it looks okay. I'm not very excited about that. Yeah, me either. And and so yeah, I thought that was interesting that they dedicated the most time to that game after Deathloop. Like Jet the Far Shore got the most. It was like four, like four, like some games were in and out within a minute, and then that one got like four or five minutes. It felt like. Oh, that's interesting. And it's just yeah. like, and I just I don't know why. Because all all it was showing was just the jet flying around, and then these yeah these stiff character models that you're talking about. It, it didn't yeah. do, it didn't do much a lot of to make me it. want to do it. Yeah, maybe. Again, uh, um, that's one thing. But maybe if there's you know somehow compelling narrative and good writing in there, then yeah, maybe. Well, we'll have to see. Right. So next, time uh, will tell. Time will tell. So next was Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba, the Hinokami Chronicles for PS5 and PS4, and that's coming out October fifteenth. I hope that's not offensive. <laughs> <laughs> to read it I'll like that to somebody but <laughs> who cares it's just it's fun to read it like who that cares? like like uh like an actual anime announcer i don't know yeah it's it's fun to read it like that it's fun to hear yes uh just good all around so keep doing it do it again Kimetsu no yaiba! <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. probably it probably peaked and i'm probably gonna have to cut that second one out but um anyway yeah this one didn't do anything for me it's just an anime game i don't know i i don't i'm not an anime watcher i'm not an anime or manga consumer at all so this is just based on an anime and so it, it didn't do anything for me but yeah uh yeah i'm not an anime i'm not an anime fan uh however i did think it looked kind of cool because it was almost like a single player arena battle game where you you just fight boss after boss that's what it looked like so that was kind of cool it's different uh so if the combat is fun and it's just you're fighting different characters and if there's so if they do it in a way where the combat is addicting where it's like simple but it's complex the more you get to know it and you're just fighting different bosses in different locations because that's what it looked like uh that could be a lot of fun i'm hoping that's what it is and i'm hoping it's good but yeah just the just the uh atmosphere the the anime style doesn't pull me in alone Mm -hmm. but i think it, it could be cool yeah yep we'll see so Again, PS5, PS4, October 15th, just after my birthday. Uh, there's actually... I'll, you wanna, I'll buy it for you. How about that? Okay. It's all yours. <laughs> no, you know what's actually coming out on my birthday is uh, Back for Blood. So if you want to get me something, it'll be Back for Blood. Oh, um, but it's on Game Pass. Oh, yeah. I don't have Game Pass right now. I only get it sometime. I only get it whenever I can get the deal. I haven't. Yeah, we'll see. I haven't... If you don't have Game Pass, maybe I'll, just, I'll buy you that. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. You know, I honestly, I do that thing, and this is the second time I've done it. But uh, whenever your Game Pass runs out, if you don't, as long as your Xbox isn't connected to the Ethernet and you have whatever Game Pass game already downloaded on your console, obviously you can still play it because you're not con- connected to the Internet for it to verify that you shouldn't be playing it. So that's probably how I'm going to play, play Doom Eternal. I have it I have it downloaded off Game Pass on my Xbox. So Yeah. I'm Is pro- that how you're going to play Back for Blood? <laughs> I don't think that'll work that way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, that's that. Next up was Lost Judgment coming out september 24th for ps5 and ps4 and and um we talked a bit a little bit about uh yakuza last week and 
you spoke of like a dragon, but I think we we mentioned judgment. I know I'm I'm interested in judgment. I don't know when I'll ever actually get to to, to play it, but um, but but apparently, so right. Yakuza 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 moving forward is going to uh maintain the kind of more turn-based strategic style that like a dragon has adopted and supposedly then these judgment spin-offs are going to continue the more um traditional beat-up mechanics that the yakuza games are, are normally known for so does the judgment sequel do anything for you i don't think either of us played the original right so uh no i didn't play the original i do think it's amazing how they have all these yakuza games and these spin-offs that use the exact same engine of walking in a very linear city down streets, but they just tweak some of the mechanics for each game. Like this game has parkour and like investigating <laughs> and like a dragon is turn-based and has some like cart racing and it's like, but it's all this exact same fucking game at some point down in the coding. Right. It's just like slight, slight tweaks for like the same game where it's like the main story is, deep and kind of serious and there's all this goofy shit around it like they're all they're all so similar it's crazy to me <laughs> yeah i i bought uh kawami one and two probably at this point two maybe three years ago on some kind of sale and i've still never gone to them that's that's part of my backlog and uh that's a discussion I w- i'd maybe like to have some week is just excuse me go through the backlog and maybe set some goals and stuff and co- we'll say cover me ticking huh? those things off but uh but yeah, I mean, but from what you've told me about them, I don't know. I honestly wonder if if I'll care enough to even get through uh, Kawami's one and two. And I think I might have also bought Yakuza Zero on sale as well, the the prequel to one and yeah. two. That so I, I own all three of them. I, mean, and I don't know if I'll even get through one of them, let alone all three. My advice would be not to even worry about the old ones. I would say play Judgment and Like a Dragon first, and if you and if you finish them and you like them, then go back and start. The first Yakuza and go up. But I already bought would, the other that's ones. That's my recommendation. <laughs> You'll still have them. Just play the newer ones first. Okay. All right. Sometimes I worry about going ones, backwards because I... Yeah. The older ones might turn you off because they're old. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, keep in mind, too, just uh, the end of 2019 into 2020, I beat... I replayed Shenmue's 1 and 2, and, right. I, and I had a great time, and those didn't bother me, so... That's true. So I don't know. Do whatever you want. So as long as the story is good, I think I think I might have fun and get through them. But uh, I do have to call out in the uh, judgment, the lost judgment trailer. I do have to call out the uh, double bulldog that was being done to like a couple enemies oh, or yeah. something. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good call. I love. That's one of the joys that, uh, and I think I can speak for both of us here that we get from, especially Japanese games. It seems, and especially when there's yeah. even if it's a fighting game or a brawler, they love fucking wrestling. And there's always an awesome. Yeah. There's always just. Wrestling is always just tied into these brawlers in such a satisfying way. Like even just if it, even like if a character's grapple is just like a, a German suplex or something. It's just like oh cool German suplex. <laughs> yeah, yeah I know. Bulldog. I, I love how uh. Japanese games just throw wrestling moves in there. I I love it. I still watch wrestling. Uh, so yeah, I love that shit. And then like even in the uh, which we're gonna, we're gonna talk about in a second, but even in the uh, the <laughs> fuck Death Stranding Death Stranding director's cut. You, the main character does it. Does a fucking drop kick. They added drop kicks. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's awesome. Okay, so yeah, I didn't. Uh, I skipped over that because I haven't played Death Stranding yet, and so I suppose this is one of my backlog games. I think I'm gonna kick to a, a forward log game and just just probably play the director's cut. Even though the idea of there being even more story stuff makes me hesitate because 
it seems like the kind of game I'd rather just experience and move on with. And so, so I hope that it's padded out in a way that's actually fun and not just extra for the sake of being extra. But um, oh no, I. But no, that's they, cool though. Like added, but I didn't, I didn't see the bull, I didn't see the drop kick anyway. Is my point? Yeah, it seems like they added a bunch of new stuff and new battles and new weapons and, like I said, new combat mechanics like the drop kick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, look, it seems like it's actually worth playing again. New, a little, I think maybe a little bit of extra story, but I played 15 hours as the first one. It seems like 15 hours is my breaking point. If I don't make it, if I don't, if I play a game 15 hours and then shut it off, a lot of times I just don't turn it back on for some for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm excited to pay ten dollars for the upgrade and then uh, start it over. I'm, I'm definitely gonna uh, gonna play this game. Awesome. Yeah, that's something. Um, yeah, maybe we can uh, synchronize that so that we can have a a little more in-depth of a conversation or something about it when the time comes. But uh, it might be interesting to see if you have any impressions from your 15 hours that you spent um, comparing that to what this director's uh, director's cut might be. Because whereas, like I said, it'll it'll be my first time playing the game. So so maybe we'll have a little different perspectives there that might be an interesting conversation, even though you only spent, even though you didn't finish it. But you might still have more insight, you know, into... I mean, it might have been... Yeah, I want to say 15 to 20 hours, but they're adding so many new things that it might actually change those first 15 hours with, if you can unlock those new items and weapons that early, uh, it'll actually change the beginning quite a bit. So it's it'll be interesting to jump back into. Instead of having to like jump back in and just replay what you already did, it seems like it'll be it'll feel fresh. Okay, yeah, and so with that, the, uh, yeah, the Death Stranding Director's Cut was the uh, game on display there after... Uh, uh, Lost Judgment coming to PS5 on September 24th. It will be $50 for the standalone version or a $10 upgrade to the PS5 Director's Cut version if you already own it on PS4. And I that's interesting though, because like, could you go? Why well, I think Redbox got rid of video games, but there are still some video game. There are like, don't you have like a family video that rents video games? There is still a family video around here. Yes. Like I'm wondering if you could rent it for three dollars and then just pop it in and then just buy ten the PS5 version for ten bucks. Yeah, like would it would it still require you to have the PS4 disc in even if you're playing the PS5 version? I can't imagine that would right. be the case. Yes, no, that, that is the case. You you need the disc. Yeah. Well, if you no, you need the disc. Okay, that's true. Okay, well, I mean, it's still I mean, it's still an interesting idea. I don't know. You can still buy it used for pretty cheap, I'm sure. Right. So, well, who knows? So we'll have to see. But. uh so a little uh, side conversation here. There's um, Deathloop is the only is the only game left on the state of play, and um, we'll talk about that here in a second. But um, I think we touched on I I don't know. Well, I don't think we had this discussion on air. We might have been talking on on PSN or something. But uh, we, but we were talking about the the naming convention of the you know quote unquote director's cut and and what that technically means. And and so Kojima tweeted something recently that kind of that pretty much. Is exactly what what, Verified what we said. What yes, it, pretty much what our take was on it, and uh, so I'll just I read that now. This is over two tweets, whatever that matters. But um, he says, "quote uh, A director's cut in a movie is an additional edit to a shortened version that was either released reluctantly because the director did not have the right to edit it, or because the running time had to be shortened. In the game." It is not what was cut, but what was additionally produced that was included. Directors plus? Question mark, he says. So in my opinion, I don't like to call it a director's cut. End quote. So yeah, director's plus instead of director's cut. I'm, I'm glad he said that because 
it this seems to be that Sony might be using this as a uh um because no, <laughs> with the Ghost of Tsushima and this it's it's a marketing thing but it doesn't make any sense and for most people there I no, you know it, most people aren't going to even think about this but maybe for more media savvy or whatever people like us it's like well it doesn't make sense it doesn't even make sense yeah, no, it, it bothered me more for Ghost of Tsushima than it did for this game because it was adding so much. I assumed that this game was adding so much, I assumed some of it was cut, but if he says none of it was, then then yeah, they shouldn't be using that. Because mm-hmm. yeah, for Ghost of Tsushima, it was like, is this not director's... Adding, yeah. an isle, adding they, DLC, adding they an cu- island DLC, isn't that director's cut? Y- yes, they didn't cut out a, a, an entire island of secondary material from the game. Right, it wasn't cut. Yeah, I really don't like... I mean, they could have came up with so many different phrases for marketing it it does kind of bother me it's i don't know if it's almost just like i don't know because they could have used any different name it's not like it almost makes me feel like we we need an excuse to re-release this game let's call it a director's cut yeah well. and 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 they're, and they're gonna do that with last of Us two probably you know that's yeah and it's like god damn it it's probably it i don't want that i just i already bought the game just give me my fucking free ps5 upgrade yes and then if you want to sell the extra shit of DLC, then do it. Interesting to think about. Um, it seems like that uh, the director's cut branding is something that we're going to continue to see. So uh, we'll just have to keep complaining that it doesn't make sense. And it's just a stupid thing. So so anyway, so the alternatives then that we've seen before are what, like greatest hits or game of the year edition? Because I always thought the game of the year edition branding was also stupid because half the time the games that had that branding weren't even in game of the year conversations and oh. th- and those editions come out two two or three years after the game came out and it's a like, game of the year edition it's like what does that mean this game's three years old this is a new, or, yeah, or sure. five years old it's a new you know yeah i'm sure they can find one of the hundreds of video game websites where it was in conversation for game of the year and they can all go like that's oh, the, yeah, that's the quote here. they're going to put on the back of the box yeah <laughs> yeah we were we were in the game of the year competition back on you know jbo's.com Video game awards, something, whatever. You say jizzload.com? <laughs> Jizzload? <laughs> you cut out kind yeah. of, and that's what G- I heard. <laughs> Jizzload.games, uh, game of the year. So we're here, game of the year version. I'm sure they can find a way to justify that somewhere. But uh, yeah, you know, just the director's cut kind of bothers me because, like you said, it sense. And it just sounds like you're just doing it as an excuse to re release a game at full price. I mean, it's not full price if you own it, sure, but uh, they don't want people. It's like they don't want people buying the original version used or cheaper. They're finding a name, finding a reason to rename it and re-release it at close to full price instead of buying the used version for fifteen dollars and then buying the upgrade for ten dollars. Now it's like, well, I guess I'll just buy the new version for fifty dollars. I mean, if you're aware, you can do that. You can go buy the old one, right? But there will be a lot mm-hmm. of people who don't think of it or don't know how to know, don't know to do. Sure, absolutely. And um, two, it's like it, it's also a way to kind of be like, oh, people who own a PS5, like, look, no, there's stuff coming out. See, look, you're, you're getting PS5 oh, yeah. stuff. Look, look, the PS5 banner is right there at the top of the box. Like, you're getting PS5 stuff, even though it's just PS4 stuff. Right. Yeah, I think that's probably part of it, too, just finding a reason or finding a way to look like there are more somewhat exclusives. I mean, it's not a PS5 exclusive, obviously, but unless it would only be a ps5 exclusive if they literally redid all of the textures and you know just like a 4k upgrade and like a higher fps isn't that's not a ps i mean it's a ps5 
version, but it's not like an exclusive. You know what I mean? It's not right. It's not that special. And again, too, like what what really have we had? Demon Souls and Ratchet. Demon Souls, Ratchet. There's more. Uh, that there's... awesome uh, car combat game. Oh, Returnal. Returnal, of course. Return. Yeah, Returnal. And Returnal is amazing. Uh, yeah, Smash Arena, Smash Stars Arena. What the fuck? Oh, who cares? I'm really bad with names. Destruction yeah. All Stars, but who cares about that shit? Destruction All Stars that had a lot of potential that ended up being very disappointing. Yep. Move over, knockout cities here. Yeah, I mean, how long has the PS5 been out? Eight months? Yeah. Nine months? Yeah, uh, about, about that, right? November last year, so. Yeah. Thing is, uh, yeah, so a lot of people will complain, like, oh, there's not that many exclusives. Who gives a shit? But really, I love my PS5. Me too. I love Returnal. Ratchet and Clank is really good. I love Demon's Souls. I like that I can play the I old games and they run faster and they look a little better at higher resolution. Like I like playing mm-hmm. the games in 4K instead of 1080p or whatever it might have been. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I so I still think it's worth it to own the console, even though maybe there's only four exclusives right now. Uh, yeah, I still think it's worth buying if you have the money and if you can find one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I think I touched on this briefly last episode, but I, I will say just a quick tangent that... Uh, Playing playing Demon Souls right off the bat really has set a new standard for me. That you know, because that game just looks and and plays so fucking smoothly and loads so fast. I I still haven't experienced anything on my PS5 that compares to Demon Souls. Oh yeah, yeah. Returnal will compare to that when you die and get shot back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Had did whenever you play Demon Souls, did you turn on fidelity mode? I um I think I probably mess with it uh usually i i like to check it out and just look around and see but i i tend to i tend to fall into the camp where i where i will settle on performance over fidelity but but i always do turn fidelity on for a little bit um yeah i always play on yeah I, well yeah I, I turned on fidelity mode for like a minute and i was like this is almost unplayable that's how i felt it was chugging and the camera turned so slow and that game requires reflexes. Yes. And I was like, Whoop. I was like, I understand why the default mode is performance mode, but it almost feels like fidelity, unless they patched it and made it smoother. It still it felt great. like to me, like it felt like to me, this shouldn't even be an option. Uh-huh. Like, who's gonna play this? Right. But if a game runs well, I will go with fidelity. I will go with fidelity 30 FPS over performance 60 because I do. Yeah. <clears throat> I do like the mesmerizing 4K and just staring at the environment. Sometimes I can get lost in it as long as it plays well. I, I'll settle for fidelity. You know what? I think I think I might have played Ghost of Tsushima in, in fidelity. Maybe I. Yeah. I think I, I think I'm, I think I did. Ratchet, I'm playing Ratchet and Clank in fidelity, and it runs fine. I think it's great. Okay. Yeah. Because I I have heard a couple different things on that regarding Ratchet and Clank, but yeah, I'm pretty sure I played Ghost on on fidelity. Yeah. Because I, I, I haven't. Go ahead. Well, I just because because even I remember even just playing the PS4 up, upgraded PS5 version. Um, as soon as the game starts out, I remember like like you start off on like on this like muddy beach. I remember like like this all just looks like fuzzy and not good. Like I didn't think it looked great at first, and right. and so I was switching back between fidelity and on. I couldn't really notice a difference. So it's like, well, I don't know. I guess I'll play with fidelity because the beach looks slightly better, I guess. And then yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's so many environments in that game that look very muddy and blurry. Yeah, at the beginning, I thought this game doesn't look very good. Yes, but then the more I the more I played it, the more I really appreciated all the, like, the, the yep. beautiful colors and, and how vibrant it was. 
Yes. Uh, yeah. I had the same exact experience. And so I don't know if it was just getting used to the graphics or if it if the beginning was less. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why it would be less produced or developed. Like a, I know. I was. I don't know. But but I did notice. Like I really, I really appreciated the graphics later. And at the beginning, I was like, kind of shitty. <laughs> uh huh. Because even uh, cause even Thanomac uh was here, and he even said like, oh, this kind of looks like shit. Just on an offhand comment, like when I was in the very beginning of this part that we're talking about, and I was like, yeah, I, I kind of think that too. I've heard how great this game looks, and I was like, oh, it's not looking that great. But then, like yeah. you're saying too, like once once the game gets going, it you know, it's like the one game that I've played in recent memory where I, at least single player experience where I. I took a shitload of screenshots and videos because, like, I would just stop and, like, say, holy shit, like, this fucking, you, you know, this field of whatever flowers or whatever in the sunset looks amazing or, or like, this, I'm, I'm at the beach and, and the, the moon is shining and there's, like, a thunderstorm in the background. It's like, this looks fucking cool. I'm going to stop. So, it, yeah, so it does seem like it, for some reason, looks better after you get out of that starting, like, hour of the game. So, but who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, starting with the PS4 era, I started really appreciating environments. I know on like Uncharted 4, it keeps track of how much time you stand still. And then by the time I finished the game, by the time I you know, I finished the game, I checked out my my play stats, and I stood still for between four to five hours. And I was like, No shit. I didn't re- I didn't realize I did it that much, but I did know that I was walking around really slowly, looking at everything. Because man, I can't believe how good this this game looks. Oh, that's cool. I didn't even know that. That that kept track of that stat. Yep. Cool. Well, all right. Well, so, last last one. Yep. Let's move on. Uh, let's let's wrap this thing out. So the last thing was Deathloop, and uh, so personally, I've been I already know that I want to play it. So it's something I'm on. It's well, uh, <laughs> well because. I haven't played Dishonored two yet, but I love the first Dishonored. I think it feels great, and from what I've, uh, from what I understand, this is like a kind of like a multiplayer or something, or whatever. Uh, Dishonored, and so, so. When did you play the first Dishonored? Uh it would have been shortly after it came out. I always meant to right. play the the second one because I think I I think that's interesting because I played the first Dishonored, Dishonored when it came out, and uh, they announced the second one, and I was like, I don't give a shit, and I, I love the first shit. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the first one, but I was like, I don't, I don't want more of this. And I think, I think it's, I don't know if it's the stealth element that's just kind of boring, and it's like I don't, yeah, I lose interest. And I, and I know that I think whenever they were really disappointed because it didn't sell well. So I think a lot of people felt the same way. Like even though we loved the first one, we don't want any more for some reason. I, I just think that's, I just think that's very interesting. I, I, yeah, I guess I would be one of those people because while the second one was on my periphery or whatever. I was never compelled to seek it out over anything else that I wanted to play. So, yeah, so I guess it would be one of those people. But that also says to me that, well, I, I, I did take that break, so maybe I am ready to go back and have, have some kind of fun in that. Almost like a Bioshocky kind of, like, it's your first-person shooter, but you have, like, special powers, too. And and these powers can, like, mess with the mechanics of things and or, or the physics of things, maybe. And, and I can see how that would be fun. I can see how trying to figure out this... And again, from what I understand, it's like a like a time puzzle, I guess, where you are you are doing like the same thing over and over again, but you're trying to tackle it from different ways 
going after different things and um from what i understand you have like so many targets like like a crackdown or something like where you have like a list of targets and so you're using this loop of time to figure out what they're all doing at different playthroughs but technically at the same time i guess and and so that puzzle element to me of exploring this world and and spying on people and figuring out how to knock out like one of these targets at a time and it it does sound very very interesting to me and and so I don't, really... I don't want to know much more than that because I already know that I want to play it. So I'm the kind of person who wants to go into something. If I'm, so I, I, I don't really understand the loop part. Maybe I was daydreaming when you were talking. I don't know. Maybe you explained it, but I don't really understand the time loop. I mean, each level is a level in and of itself, right? So how does it wrap back around in different time? What, like, what's going on with the loops and the, and the, like, what's going on? So yeah, okay, so. I mean, I don't mean to talk up my ass, but from what I understand, it's it's one big sandbox, one scenario that's all playing out in real time. And so from what I understand, this time loop that you're in, you, you'll use one attempt to go explore this one building and figure something out about this character. And Okay. And then... And you think it's all one giant map? Y- yes, from what I understand. And so on your, right. on your next attempt, it might take you several of these loop attempts to figure out what's going on in this one portion of the map, this one target that you're trying to figure out how to assassinate, but that that's going to play into, but then you're going to, you know, use up some slot, you know, some attempts to figure out what's going on on another map. And then you might find that what you do to affect one part, maybe, you know, so from what I understand it, there, there is a puzzle in there of not only gathering all the information from this world that you need and all the information on your targets and how to assassinate them all, but how your process of eliminating these targets might change these chain of events that maybe once you do the loop again, without someone in the picture, you might have to like figure it out all over again or something like, yeah. Yeah. I don't really know. I mean, it's not really know either to me since the start, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, it looks like it it looks like it could be intense. It's a roguelike, right? So it, Kind of reminded me of Returnal. They said, I think they said you get three chances. If you don't finish it, then you start to loop over. I think that's what they said. Okay, interesting. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah. I mean, I, this was probably just for the the state of play, but all of the AI was just standing there. Every time they made it to a new part, a new part of the level, it was just AI just standing there looking out, like not doing anything. And then they just use a telekinesis to throw people around or shoot someone. And I'm assuming the AI will be more active in the real game, I hope. I would have to assume. Because I was just like, this looks ridiculous. Like, they're always just standing there looking away. <laughs> Monologuing to themselves or something. Yeah. yeah. And you're just like Beautiful sitting. night tonight. And you're sitting there Did in the shadowy something? corner listening to them. Huh? What? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Must have been nothing. Yeah. That's ah, really awesome in a video game. My head's playing tricks with me again. <laughs> yeah. I love that in video games where you kill someone and the enemy turns around and like, did you hear something? I guess it was nothing. <laughs> and it's like, oh, your partner's gone. Or sometimes your partner's just lay- literally laying there dead and they don't give a shit. <laughs> Must have been the wind. Uh, yeah. So at first I had no interest at all, but it looked kind of intense. It looked like it could be interesting. And there's like a Dark Souls element where you can be invaded by other players. So that looks all right. That always kind of, I mean, I do like that in Dark Souls whenever you're invaded because it makes things way more intense. Yes. But it does suck when you die and then, you know, have to go, have to restart whenever you were in the middle of taking your time and completing an area. And then some douchebag comes in and kills you from behind. <laughs> he comes in and he does the, uh, 
like the bloodborne like l thing and then just pulls out his giant dragon bone great sword and yeah uh he's 30 feet away from me but he's but you get hit anyway and you die in yeah. one hit yep swings, swings <laughs> the giant swings the giant great sword and then casts the meteor shower that you can't avoid yeah so as far as uh the the way that it plays i know that i that dishonor was cool and and if and if they can take this idea to a to a different level and, and introduce a little bit of a yeah PvP var- variability on top of the, the the puzzle of just solving the the goal as the player, then uh, that sounds neat enough to me. So, um, so again, it's not that I'm like on like blackout or anything, but uh, I don't need to see any more on it. I I know that I want to try it already. So so the less I yeah. the less I know, the better for me. Yeah. Maybe not All for right, you, well, the listener, but yeah. Actually, talking about Dishonored now makes me. I think I'm ready to go play Dishonored too. <laughs> yeah, man. Finally ready. It is on my backlog list. I'm ready. I am ready. You know, and so on. On that topic, I, I feel like I. And again, this is a tangent, but uh, I whether I play something like Dishonored or Wolfenstein or Metro, I tend to lean into a stealth approach. But then I find myself like. If it doesn't go right, well, this is one thing I I have corrected as as I've gotten older. Like oh, I'm just I'm just gonna play it out. Who cares? But like whenever you, but in these games, whenever you want to try to take a stealth approach and and it immediately goes sour, you either just have to embrace and just murdering everybody, and maybe that's not what yeah. you want to do. So then you have to reload if you don't want that to happen, or you just or you play it as well. I'm just gonna take my consequences as they come. But then what that really means is. I'm just going to end up blasting everybody anyway, even if I don't want to do that, because chances are you're not going to succeed in stealthing through an area on your first attempt. Yeah. I mean, there are some games where we can run and hide it, hide all over again, but it's some of those meters, like the, the gauges that you have to wait before people stop looking for you. It's like two minutes long. And it's like, I don't have time for that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like I, that, that's why I, I never played Metal Gear 5. I love Metal Gear. I love Metal and Gear I tried 5. Playing, I, tried, I tried playing Metal Gear 5 two different times i installed it twice once on ps4 and once on pc because like maybe it's the second level after like the tr- kind of training level or something after that that crazy long intro the first level the first level where you actually take time to map things out and you have to sneak in and it's like i remember the second time i was playing it and i was hiding behind like a dumpster or something and my toes were sticking out and somebody <laughs> way back from behind the, somebody way back from behind the dumpster saw it and it was just like blink and i was like oh you'll be fucking kidding me i was spent 10 minutes marking everything and i was like i'm done i just installed it in me uninstalled it immediately <laughs> and I said, i'm fucking done that's not why i play metal gear i don't play metal gear for the mechanics and for the combat i play it for the story and to like totally just kind of reverse it and be like okay a little bit of story but mostly gameplay it's like no this is not why i play this fucking game sure and i just i shut it off you know i think uh i think it was the first game i reviewed whenever we were doing that ragdoll uh farce stint and i think it gave it a 9.25 and i I think the only reason i docked it and i probably i might not be that generous now if i were to grade it but um but i remember my main reason for doing that was exactly what you're saying just how fucked up a lot of the uh like there because my example i think i i may have even have written about it in the interview itself was i remember like i was in a bunker or whatever and there was a window and outside this window were the steps going up to the second floor of this bunker and from where I was laying here, I could see this guy's ankles and boots. But bleep, he saw me, even though I could only see his boots. But somehow he saw me and was like, oh, you know, so. And you murdered oh, everyone and then, to the level. And then, oh, no, I probably, well, yeah, I guess, yeah, might have. Or tried to at least 
incapacitate everybody because that's usually how I play Metal Gear is I would shoot everyone, but I, I but I would trank them. I would trank them and knock them out, shove them in a locker instead of killing them. But but I still right. made but I still made it easier for myself by tranking them. I didn't do the full like ghost approach where like nobody knows you're there. I was like, nope, I'm just gonna trank everybody and, and get through this. But yeah, uh, and then if you died, you had to restart that whole level, right? Like you could lose a lot of time. Yeah, I don't remember how that worked, but exactly. But because I thought I remember people complaining about that, like spending 40 minutes or something running, an hour on a level and then having running to and hiding it. yes oh especially whenever you go and you like hide in a locker for 10 minutes and then you finally think yeah. you can come out so you're like okay i guess i'm gonna try to come out and brink, and it just restarts <laughs> all over again it's like all right well that last 15 10 15 minutes of hiding was wasted because they were just waiting for me to come out of this fucking locker <laughs> so so yeah no yeah. anyway i just thought yeah, maybe a fun thing because even because, yeah, the, yeah, there are points where it's like trying to sell this. Like, it gets to a point where it's not even worth it or fun. It's like, why, why am I trying to play this game this way? It's not the fun way to play it. It would be more fun just to yeah. come in with a shotgun and blast fucking everybody. Yeah, I know. I think that's why a lot of people didn't buy Dishonored 2. I just I think there's something about the stealth element that's just not attractive. Uh, even though it's really good, even though Dishonored 1 was really good, mm-hmm. it's just not something you itch to get back to. It's like once every five years, I like playing a stealth game and, and no more. Yeah, I, I did play the Thief remake, and I enjoyed it, but again, it wasn't anything to write home about, but it was kind of nostalgic for me thinking back to playing like Thief 2 or whatever like on your computer going up. and So I liked playing the Thief remake on PlayStation 4, I guess. I, th- I think it was one of the early PS4 titles. So I, I, I enjoyed it me, like personally for that way, is that just like, oh, this reminds me of playing Thief on you know Josh's computer growing up. So, But yeah, I, I, mean, I don't want that experience all yeah that is something that you only want every every once in a while yeah yeah and it's like you know breath of the wild which is one of my favorite games ever they had that, that one or two stealth sections in there where it's like why the fuck am i doing this as though nobody wants to sneak around it was, and that was yes that was particularly awful i hated that part it was bad it, it, it was bad in breath of the wild it's like in that that desert cave thing that you had to find and then sneak through it and it's just like why why oh, although all right, I will say that Splinter Cell does it correctly because the last Splinter Cell, which I, I think I played it 10 years ago or something like on, on live, or maybe that was the one before the newest one. Maybe I didn't play the newest one. But anyway, whenever they rebooted it and it was upgraded from the first three that came out or whatever, where you can kind of sneak around and you can charge through doors and just kind of pause time and, and mark people who, and just oh. kind of shoot them real quick. Yeah. That was, actually a, that was actually a lot of fun as for a stealth game. Anyway, I think we should wrap this up. Yes, I, I eat supper. Yeah, I agree. I need to go too. You, um, you want to run through these state of play games real quick and score them and call it a day? Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. So, again, we have. I did roll credits on Doki Doki Literature Club, and Josh has been playing Returnal, but we will speak more in detail about that in the next week or two uh, because we've already been going way long here, and uh, we're humans. We're human beings. And yeah. And we need a break, we too, even, you know. We didn't even need to do the state of play. No, we didn't need to do that, but it was fun. I I, I, I like to have a more just yeah. non-whatever, uh, non-controversial uh, aspect <laughs> aspect of an episode, at, at least if people aren't comfortable with the more in-depth kind of topics to at least have something less on. Anyway, um, so we're going to go back through the school just for fun. We can look back on it whenever these games come out and jack off yes let's go so moss book two what do you think predictive score i'm gonna go uh let's see moss two i'm gonna go 8.6 
Well, I guess we'll go by the, the Metacritic average, so 86. 86. Okay, I'm going to go with a 82. <laughs> not a big difference there, but right. uh, I don't... That's, I don't... Not, that's, that's a decent difference. Right. That's, that's like rounding... That's the difference between rounding up and rounding down. Rounding up to a... That's close to a 90 or close to an 80. Mm-hmm. Sure. RK to get in. What do you think? Oh, boy. Uh, what else did they make? The Jason game? Is that what you said? Yeah, Jason and Predator games. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go uh, 65. Ooh, kind of low. I'm going to... You know, okay, you know... Uh, go go ahead. Say what you're going to say. I was going to say like a, a 72. I'm going to change to 68. Okay. Make note. All right. Tribes of Midgard. That's a tough one. Um, go, you, go ahead. Do you have something in your head? I'm going to guess... 82. Oh, that's pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this is tough. I mean, it looks fine. I mean, as long as it does what it says it's going to do. I mean, I could see it easily scoring a, uh, at the very least, early 80s. Right. Yeah. I, I don't see it changing the world or anything or blowing anyone's yeah. socks off. But Yeah, I, I'm, I'm ready for my score. I'm finally ready. Okay. Uh, 78. Ooh, 78. Fist forged in Shadow Torch. Wow. Well, yeah, you know what? I want to go 88 for this one. No shit. Okay. I was going to... Oh. I, you know what? I think there's something wrong with me and eights. All of my shit has eights in it. You know what I noticed <laughs> is that whenever people just say a random number, like if they're making a joke and they just 12. say a random number, it's like almost always eight. Are you... pay, pay attention. Whenever okay. you're watching TV and, and listening to podcasts, just pay attention. Whenever people just say random numbers for reason, like... What they happened like fucking eight million years ago, <laughs> whatever. Just pay attention. It's almost always like eight is very, very a very common random number that people say for some reason. Sure, I heard I heard twelve a lot too. I've I noticed that with the number twelve. But um, I was thinking. Well, my initial thought was upper seventies, but I, it does look like it probably will be better than that. I'm gonna say eighty-one. Don't let me don't let me sway you. No, I know. I, maybe maybe I'm way wrong. No, I know, but. But I, but I think I probably was going too low on that one. So I'll split the difference and I'll say 81. 88 probably is a, little, a, a tiny bit too high. I should, yeah. probably should have said 86, but I'm, I'm going to stay with 88. Okay, I'm going to say 81. And then uh, Hunter's Arena. Well, I already said it. I'm going solid six. Solid 60. six. Right. Yeah. Uh, just for the sake of being interesting, I'll, I'll pop a couple on. I'll say 64 because I'm pretty much with you on that one, but... To be interesting, I'll I'll go slightly higher. All right, but I but I th- I think you're probably pretty much on the money, most likely with that six out of ten. Uh, Sifu, the brawler, where you age when you die. It's, no, that's interesting. It's I don't know why I want to go lower than fist, but I think I am. I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go eighty three. Okay, I'm thinking eighty six. So again, we're close, but we'll see. I'm so I'm gonna say an eighty six for Sifu and eighty three for you. Jet the far shore. Blank blank the blank thing. Uh, poop, poop the shit pant. This is going to be my, my first number without any eights. I'm going to go 74. Interesting. I will say, I'll say, I'll say 81. All right. I'll back away from the mic. Now you got to do the uh, no, I anime will. scream. I'm going to make sure I, I back away from the mic in case I peaked before. <laughs> Demon Slayer. Kimetsu no Yaiba! <laughs> the Hinokami Chronicles. This is a really tough one because I have no idea really what the fuck this game is. <laughs> I but I thought it, it looked like it had some. But I know what. I, you know, fuck. I'm I'm doing it. I'm going to go eight eighty. Solid eight. 
I'm going to go with a 76 on this one. All right. That sounds good, too. Lost Judgment. Um, Lost Judgment. Uh, I'm going to go 89. That sounds pretty right. Um, I will say 84, just to make a interesting enough difference between us. I'll, I'll say 84. You shouldn't do that. You just do whatever you want. That way, we that way we can actually measure our act. Our we can measure our actual accuracy. Okay, no, that's right. Because I I, I was I was leaning more of like an eighty seven, eighty eight. So I'll make a note of that. I'm leaning towards an eighty seven, eighty eight, but I'll officially say eighty four. Whatever the hell I said for for fun. All right. Okay. So anyway, um, uh, so yeah, Death Stranding director's cut. Yeah, might as well. I suppose it'll have a rating. Uh, I guess I'll just throw it up there. I have no idea what the old one scored at, but yeah, I'll just throw it up. I'm gonna say 91. I was gonna say nine. I was gonna give that one my my solid nine for my one solid number. So I'll say 90, 90, 91. Um, yeah, fuck it. I don't, yeah, no. I, I don't need to huh? differ just for funsies on that one because whatever. Yeah, so we're pretty much okay. And then uh, right. th- so then death loop, death poop, meth poop. I, I really can't tell. I can't tell if this is gonna be all right. I'm gonna go. 86. I'm going to say 92. Wow. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of hype around this one. I think it, for the little bit that I've seen, I, I think it does look pretty good. It sounds like it's going to be sweet and do some interesting yeah, things. So I know it is. I mean, I don't I don't think that would be even what my personal rating would be, but I'm going to guess 92 uh, Metacritic average for this one. So, all right. So there you have it. Um, so again, uh, you know, if you wanted to hear about Doki Doki Literature Club or Returnal. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be back in a week or two. Um, and so we'll, we'll flesh that out a little bit more. And I'll probably have more things that I've played to discuss by that point as well. In addition to just that game. Yeah. I'll probably just talk about Returnal and Ratchet and Clank. And uh, I have a bunch of notes written down for possible topics of the show. So uh, I, we have no idea what, what that's going to be right now. Right. Yeah. So stay tuned. And honestly, I think I'm really... Uh, really satisfied with the topics that you've picked. I, th- I think it's we've had really good, stimulating, healthy, valuable conversations, and um, I don't think there's. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know, no, for sure, but I don't think there's a lot of specifically video game podcasts kind of having these kind of conversations. So I think that we're, I think we're doing something good, and hopefully we can we can find an audience yeah. for that. Yeah, and I've been uh, maintaining my temper pretty good so far. So that's good. <laughs> I haven't called. Uh, you know, I haven't been saying cunt this and cunt that yet. <laughs> yet? Uh, I haven't. I, in real life. Wait till we start streaming. Yeah. Well, in real life, my, no, inner, Bill, my inner Bill Burr, my inner Bill Burr comes out during during conversations like this. Uh-huh. But I find that uh, having this podcast and it, it kind of naturally forces me to be more mature about it. <laughs> right. But there might come a day where I'm just fed up and frustrated and it just comes out. But uh, yeah, so far, I think it's been good. I'm sure I've offended some people but uh not that i'm trying to but i'm not gonna like change who i am and filter all my words for every little listener so right that's how it's gonna be Mm -hmm. yeah so so hopefully uh you listener whoever you might be hopefully you found some value in that you know our patricia hernandez's uh eic article discussion there um and again probably did offend somebody maybe but um you know just to just to be clear we, you know, we're accepting of everyone. We, we, we think, you know, equal opportunity for everybody and all that shit. But, um, that doesn't mean we can't have arguably challenging conversations either. And, um, 
we want to promote yeah. a place of just healthy, we, open discourse as long as it's respectful and um, open-minded. Yeah. Well, you that, can so. also you can only offend people. You can only offend someone if if someone's listening. Yeah. So. <laughs> so so again, if a, if a tree if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one around to be offended, it, is someone offended? Is someone <laughs> offended. Really <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, if a tree. Wait, wait, wait. I got it. Okay. If a tree falls on a marginalized person in the forest <laughs> and no one's around to see it, is anyone offended? Were they marginalized to begin with? <laughs> no. That's, yeah, that's a good question. No, that, that, was, that's an, that, that, was, that was a joke. All right. I guess, so. if, I guess, I guess if they're the one... I guess if they're the only one around, they're the majority, so they're not marginalized to begin with. <laughs> no reason to be offended. Uh, we figured it all out. Well, again, thanks for listening. Uh, please, uh, if you happen to be hearing this, if you have input, I, I, I got to reiterate one more time, uh, jellyjellymedia at gmail.com. Please write us, tell us what you think, whatever. Let us know if we can share it on the show or if you prefer not, or, or it, it, at least if we want to share I at least won't name you or something, but but if you if you don't want it shared, maybe don't write to begin with. But whatever, if if you have an opinion, go ahead and tell us. With that, to reiterate what I said last week, we're right now we're just uploading on SoundCloud, so just Van Racknet on SoundCloud, I guess is is the channel name. But if you search Gamescast with a K, uh, Ragdoll Gamescast, it'll come up. Um, I am at V Racknet, letter V Racknet, on Twitter, Jeffy Juice on Instagram. And uh, Josh is Umni, and he's gonna tell you about his Umni stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Umni Rocks on Twitter and Facebook, and just Umni on Instagram. I'm pretty sure. But if you just search Umni, I'm sure you'll find me. My icon is I say that I'll say this every week. It's orange with a the icon is a as an O for the beginning of Umni, but it has an I in the middle, and it has a top hat, and it's modeled after uh, Clockwork Orange. So right on. So um. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Again, uh, we're going to try to do this every week or two. So for the time being, uh, stay tuned to the Twitters and the SoundCloud channel. And um, eventually we're going to get this on podcast services everywhere so you can enjoy it however you may choose. So so that's it. Uh, thanks for listening. Right. We're, yep, we're signing off. Bye, guys. Questions, comments, concerns, email us at jollyjellymedia at gmail.com.